powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane, Australia, up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and sunny Miami, Florida. It's episode 76 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we celebrate the winner of the Battle of the Band's best album of the 1990s as Hector Alfonso won, and it's time to do an album archaeology on that album, Nirvana's Nevermind. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires the packers have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon-barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganoris Leaf. Great Leaf makes great to cigars. Aganoris Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Carojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganoris Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And by JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley in Honduras, Julio Arro took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now, with Jerry Tobacco, pulling this on Husto, bring you Aladino. It's available in many different wrapper options, and they represent the golden age of cigars of Cuba from 1947 to 1961. It's available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And finally, by Drew Estate, check out and download the Drew Diplomat app via mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode Primetime Jukebox Episode 76. Uh, we are in uh, getting towards the end of August as the summer months come to a close here in the U.S. and um, the, the warm summer months here. And the, uh, you know, for Dave, uh, he's getting through the cold winter months down in Australia. Uh, but let me introduce my friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Is Bitterly cold here, Coop. Thanks for that. It is. <laughs> it's like, what did we figure out, John? It was like 40 degrees freedom here. 
Yeah, 40 degrees like that? freedom. That's and and you know, that would be that would be no joke for me to be sitting out, uh, for an Australian to be sitting out when you're used to it being 60 degrees warmer than that. Uh, that's that's pretty cold. Frigid. It's a little frigid. Little fresh, fresh as my people would say. Yeah, it definitely uh is probably one of the coldest I can remember you being uh doing these jukebox shows that we've been doing for almost three years right now. This this might be the coldest I've seen you. Oh, it's it's barbaric is what it is. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting, you know, it's going to be interesting because we're going to be getting into like October and that's when spring is going to be coming. Yeah, away. and <laughs> it's going to be like 45. And then the here. bird season is going to come. I mean, yes, because it was right around Thanksgiving where the where the incredible bird attack happened on you on on one of our shows. Yes. So the birds will come back and it'll be like. Yeah, like 45 degrees. Yeah, one of you know. them. Yep. But uh, hey, uh, why don't we introduce uh, our, our panel? Like, we'll bring them right in right now. We just uh, heard from John McTavish uh, uh, from Alberta, Canada. And in Miami, uh, we have the one and only Hector Alfonso. Ooh, the winner, the champ. Uh, the winner of the Battle of the Bands 90s Madness. So, uh, Hector, thanks for joining and congratulations. Uh, oh, job well done. It was uh, my pleasure to meet all of you. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I'm so happy to have won. But like I told you at the beginning, we'll, we'll, whenever you're ready, we can, we can talk about that little, that little bomb I want to drop on you later. Okay. But, you know, glad to be here. Of course, it's, uh, we're in the uh, dog days of summer here. It rained earlier today, so you will see some sweat coming your way in a little while when the humidity starts to kick it up here. It's uh, it's awful. I'd trade with you any day, Dave. I'd trade with you any day. Well, Maybe not John, because <laughs> I've seen I've seen John smoke with us when it looked like he was just wearing a snorkel mat. He had only that uh-huh. much that much exposed. Oh yeah, as he was smoking. But uh, I trade with you any day, buddy. Good to see both of you. Of yeah. course, my good friend Coop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had a big game last night. Uh, you know, but I I'm sure, like I said, uh, this series is far from over, Hector. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not i am not that guy i'm not going to run and say they suck or they lost i mean you know listen you we, know, got, you, we were we were the better team I, I think we had a little luck i think a couple things went our way last night but but it wasn't it was a good game i thought it was a good game you know the you know we've we've talked about it what is it the rule of uh 54 correct mm-hmm. the rule of you're going to win 54 you're going to lose 54 it's what do you do with those other 54 games yep i exactly. think yesterday yesterday was a. Uh, Yesterday was just a, a missed opportunity, but we'll see what happens today. Yep, the Grom's on the mound today, so we'll see what happens. I know it's going to be a tough one for us. Um, and in but, other news, the Jets have set a new Jet record by ending their season before the first preseason game of the year even completed. That is some outstanding work there from the Jets. Mr. The Jets Beckton. never seem to disappoint, right? Well, at Every, least at least Beckton won't be alone in the therapy room now. He'll oh have, man, uh, I mean, there's Wilson there with him. There are some fools on the on the forum, you know, guys are going off about, you know, oh, I think the Jets are going to go 10 and 7. And I'm like, like, is this your first year as a Jets fan? And he's like, why you got to be so negative? I'm like, bro, I'm not negative. I just have experience behind me. When you set expectations that are unrealistic, you're going to get punished. And, you know, I was tempted this morning to send him a little jab and be like, how's that 10 and 7 looking for you right now, brother? Because uh, because at this point, six and eleven is looking pretty optimistic, if you ask me. Is Zach Wilson out for the year or for a few weeks? Well, it looks like it's a four to six weeker. Right? It looked like it wasn't yeah. an out for the year thing. 
Yeah, listen, I don't want to speculate on injuries because, uh, I mean, Jets jinxes are around every corner. Let's just say it could have been worse. It's not great. Uh, I think it's going to be another shitty Jets season. And this is this is this is why I just don't get excited for Jets football. And, you know, I, I, I end up uh, watching a lot of red zone. Aging Jimmy Garofalo to the white. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> No, oh, that's right. It's, yeah. It's the Joe Flacco uh, revenge game with oh, the Ravens coming up. Oh, my God. Oh. It, can, oh, it, uh, oh. it just never ends with the New York Jets. <laughs> I mean, it really just never ends for them. Uh-oh. And they find ways. They just find ways for their season to just get snake bit. I mean, the Giants are a mess. That's a, And they're still a mess, in my opinion. But, but that's another story. But the Jets, there's this optimism every year. And something happens to just kind of derail it. Did they uh, win that before, game last night? By the way, did the Jets win the last they, game, that game? They did, but uh, that's add a, insult to injury. They win the well, game. Well, I mean, that's that, that's a classic example of where you got your first stringers in against <laughs> four stringers, and it's like, yeah, of course you won the game. You're you're, you're playing a meaningless game to win. Yeah. And if it would have been first string versus first swing, the final score would have been like thirty-four to seven or yeah. thirty-four to ten. Like yeah. it would have been a pile on. So. Who yeah. are you guys open against, by the way? Uh, you know, I don't even know. It's probably like uh, we got we have New England. We open with New England. Oh, all that's, right. That's see, that's good though because New England is so uh is so vulnerable in the first few weeks of the year because they just they for whatever reason they can't get into their uh if you're gonna if you're gonna get one over on the Patriots it's usually the first couple weeks of the year. That you want to do it. I agree. I think they're kind of a mess going to Patricia. As the offensive you got, player. you got the Ravens surgeon. <laughs> oh yeah. We I got, mean, we got the Titans. Doesn't that, doesn't that just the Ravens at, at, at Tennessee or at the giants at, to at, at, at Tennessee? There, there has been talk oh, of a, of a Cooper uh, road trip to that, but it's not happening. I can, I'm going to make that. It's just not happening. I'm not. I'm not going to Tennessee. To I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear that on the chat room. I have to. You know, there was talk about that, John. Did you hear there was talk about Cooper road trip? But uh, I heard some rumors. I heard some rumors. Right, but there is a Cooper road trip that will be happening later that week. That's oh. why I'm not going. That's one of the reasons why I'm not going to go. All right. But also, I'm just still not really comfortable sitting in a stadium just yet with with COVID. So. No, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I I can only imagine the stadium is just a tad bit more dangerous than the intersection of Bar Luca at the, in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I dodged today, but which which which. But I have photos. I have photos of you there. You were. I was at one night, and and how I didn't get COVID, I still. I don't know how any. I don't know how I got COVID. The only thing Coop was needed to do was throw up his hat, his hat up in the air like Mary Tyler Moore at the beginning nice. of the show, just nice. spinning around. We're gonna make it after. It was just Coop was like he had Carlos and the Padrones and it was, oh it was, Coop. Hey, so there's a funny there's a funny story I'll tell about this, right? <laughs> and it's worth telling because it's Hector brought up. So I am talking to Rocky Patel, okay, at Bar Luca, right? And, you know, when you start talking to someone like Rocky, other people kind of come on, come around. They kind of want to see if they can get a word in and, you know, just kind of be around. So about a group, I'd say a group of about four or five people come around as I'm talking to Rocky. Right. And all of a sudden, these four or five people who are with us, they they look to their right and they bolt. Right. Because they see Steve and Cindy Saka walking, walking down the aisle. Rocky turns to me and he's like, 
Like, basically, he goes, what the fuck did I do? Like, what the fuck? He's like, they're all running the soccer, you know? And he had to see his face on that when it happened. I said, I'm here, Rocky. I'm not, I didn't leave you. I'm like, yeah. he goes, yeah, but they all left me. They all ran to soccer when that happened. Yes, wow. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Thank God, it's, it's the good thing is the manufacturers aren't petty about shit like that. Right? Hey, uh, you know, Rocky still gave me a kiss, so. That's another reason you don't have COVID problems. All right, so listen, I'm 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 done. I'm all out. I'm all okay. out on that. I'm all yeah. out. All right, let's um let's kind of get to some of the uh, uh is there anything else we need to hit before we get some of the housekeeping stuff? Nah. Okay. So um all right, so there were a couple like we you know we always have this like people passing right. It hasn't been that bad lately, Dave. We haven't had a lot of people passing, but this week was no. a tougher week. We we actually have three items because John, you have you added one, right? I did. Okay. So um, why don't we do our two first? Because I think yours is a little different, John, and we'll kind of go with that. So, so Dave, you start this one off. because um, This was one I saw you reported on on the Dukebox website. Yeah, I mean, not many people outside of Australia probably know who this person is, but Archie Roach, who is a huge indigenous artist here, like very iconic, uh, died, I think, two weeks ago. Um, and he's saying a lot about um, indigenous issues like his most famous song here is Took the Children Away which was about sort of government policies put in place against um, indigenous families here so he was a huge I think he was like in his late 60s he was a huge artist here like very big sort of folk artist and he uh, passed away um, kind of suddenly I mean not suddenly he was sort of sick for a while but it's one of those things where he was sick but he never thought that he was going to pass away I guess Yep. And uh, yeah, but uh, you have another iconic Australian artist, Coop. This is a bit more recent. Another person who was sick that we didn't think would ever pass away. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'd say, you know, if you had to go back to 1978 um, in the late 70s, you, you can make the argument she was America's sweetheart. Um, and I'm talking about Olivia Newton-John, Sandy from Greece. Um, and, you know, um, like I said, a lot of people, if you're my age and Hector's age, you remember, you remember Olivia Newton-John, I mean, from that. Um, but she had a very good music career as well. And the one thing I wanted to point out is she, you know, a lot of people know the story of Greece, right? She's the good uh, girl, the sweet girl. And she kind of, um, some things happen with a relationship, the relationship with uh, Danny, John Travolta. And she decides to undergo this like metamorphosis, right? Into um, Pinky Tuscadero. Pinky so Tuscadero, we- right? <laughs> Edgy and ag- aggressive. And what people don't realize is that actually happened in her career as well. So you know, like at, she had had a good career, then Greece kind of put her over the top. Then she went into a little slump post Greece, and you know, but she was known for being the wholesome, pure singer. And then 1981, she undergoes that same transformation with the sexually provocative song Physical on the Physical album, which becomes her absolute monster hit of her career. So she actually did the same thing in real life to some extent. Um, but like I said, I, I thought she was amazing. I put three songs on here. Uh, they're more from the sweet Olivia Newton-John side. Uh, Have You Ever Been Mellow? Uh, a little more love, and then to give homage to Greece, her solo in Greece was hopelessly devoted to you. So I think it was a big loss. A lot of people, you know, had connections with her because they they remember 
you know, when she was America's sweetheart. No mention of please, Mr. Please. There's so many, Hector. Yeah, there's please, Mister. Please. There's physical, Miss Magic. I mean, there's so many great. I really songs. like Twist of Fate. That was. I, I, I liked, really and I kidded. That was the movie she did with Travolta too. The yeah. second movie she did it wasn't a bad. It wasn't Grease, but it wasn't a bad movie. The problem with that is they were not able to put them into Grease too, because there was the back. I think there was too much. They felt there was a backlash at the time of putting Travolta into another like movie like that because he was still associated with the disco era and his career kind of, you know, floundered around that time. He had to reinvent himself as urban cowboy. So. Surgeon, what was, uh, what was your. Uh, yeah, not a music person, but uh, someone I know personally and uh, was kind of a, I don't say a monster, but uh in the, in the Cuban cigar world, um, everyone and everyone knew him. Uh, everyone followed him. He had a, a very prolific blog called Nino's Flying Cigar. Uh, born in Spain, uh, lived his entire life in Germany. Um, and a good friend of mine sort of had a comment the other day that uh, you didn't even really sort of plan to see him, but he was just a fixture of travel to Cuba, kind of like you'd see the Capitolio building in Havana and you'd see Nino. And that was just how it was. And he was just uh you know there there was this crusty exterior you had to kind of get by um because he just didn't suffer fools at all uh but when you got to know him he was just the most genuine honest great guy uh one of the most extremely knowledgeable tobacco guys i've ever known um and he passed away suddenly last week uh which was a bit of a shock um he had, he had uh, one of his most famous sayings that I've said over and over and over again. He says, uh, Americans have Swiss watches and Cubans have time. And I always <laughs> thought it was sort of a really great sort of mental adjustment of like, listen, stop freaking out about things you can't control. Y- you're not going to be able to change things. It's just the way things are. Uh, you know, and I've applied that when I've gone down to Miami and I've been frustrated. It's like, listen, man your baggage is going to get out when it gets out and you having a spaz fit about it is not going to change when that baggage come out. And it, and it really helped me, I think sort of mentally uh, change a bit of that mindset. Anyways, uh, just uh, remembering him as he passed away last week. All right. Thanks for that surgeon. Hey Dave, quick question for you. What was the reaction in Australia about Olivia died? Oh, it's huge. It, it was, I imagine it was huge, even though she didn't it's- live there anymore. Right. It's like ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an Australian forever in Australia. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's right. You only need to fly over the country for us to claim you if you're uh-huh. famous enough. That's right. Right. <laughs> we claim New Zealanders and they're not, you know, because they're just kind of close. It's it's the um, it's the Commonwealth. You have to do the touching process. So as long as like, someone from the Commonwealth touches you, then they can make the claim of sovereign right of Commonwealth. And right. now you are an adopted member of that. That yeah. country, yeah that, yeah, that applies to New Zealand as well and can Canada, of course. Yeah, well, we're in the Commonwealth Games, so John's practically Australian in our, in my opinion. Yeah, right, right. Mean, we we all drink the same, so we party the same. You God have the queen the on your currency. God save the queen. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still got that going. right there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Um. All right. One quick note. Uh, this is a self-indulgent one. Uh, if you're listening to this live or well, not live, if you're listening to the premiere of this on uh, August 15th, 
Today is the 12 year anniversary of Cigar Coop. That's uh, right. Yeah. So it was formed. The, the first article published on August 15th, 2010. Um, shortly after that, there were several people who told me in the uh, quote unquote blogging community that he'll be gone in three months. <laughs> blogging so, community? Uh, blogging community. Yeah. Oh, cool, by the way, none of those people are in the blogging community. <laughs> oh. I this guy just, uh, we like to refer to, you know how when you hear somebody say they said or them? Yeah. That's they and them. Those guys, those guys, those guys. Right. So uh, it would not be possible to be 12 years with our audience without working with folks like, uh, you know, this team here. So thank you guys. Uh, it's, it's a big moment. Uh, 12 years. Congratulations, so I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So I had to be it, 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 that's the that's, you know, that's the one day of the year I really kind of get excited about because yeah i just remember i just remember being told he's not gonna be around in three months like so you know that's yeah. christmas you got anniversaries you have birthdays yeah and you got august 15th you got august yeah. 15th there's no other holiday in august 15th right so yeah not yet not yet, not yet. they uh yeah but get to all 15, right i think yeah but i think it's the first time i've actually ever done a show on august 15th right so i just thought i'd mention it and we move on and do our content here, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. I just think it's nice of you to still have Surgeon on the show. You'd have to have told you right. the last three months. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, it was it early was days around. for me. You know, I was just trying to make a name for myself. <laughs> and then you became the conscientious Canadian and yeah, all I, that was gone. I did not start in 2010. I started in 2012. So th this is my 10th ah. anniversary, but uh I did not. I do not have the same prolific uh, brand as Coop. I have uh, jumped around like the uh, like the survivor that I am. You know, jumping from one raft to the other as it sinks away. Uh, You've been like the high price free agent acquisition. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> somehow, somehow they keep putting me in the roster, and the, the you know. Yeah. He is the Mickey Morandini of cigar makers. <laughs> they they keep saying as long as you pass medical, I'm like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know. Remember, Am I going to pass I, medical for 10 years? What have I been saying, Coop? If you can throw left handed, you'll always have a space on a roster. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. He is yep. left handed relief. If you can eat yep. up innings and throw strikes <laughs> yep. with left handed, yep. you're going to have a gig. Yep, exactly. Uh, exactly. Let's get the cigars here, Coop. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I think, uh, Hector, what do you like? Well, sorry, Hector, because I don't know what he's smoking in the notes. I know what everyone else is. Oh, I'm smoking a sample. I'm smoking a. A sample of a little something, something. Being a manufacturer <laughs> has its uh, benefits. Yeah, yeah, listen, I don't get me wrong. I really, I love watching. I love seeing pictures of guys smoking the new releases, yeah. whether it's ours or anybody else's. But I don't really, I, I, unless I'm at the shop, at Allen's shop, I'm not really smoking a lot of other guys' stuff. That's where I usually smoke everybody else's stuff. But when I'm, you know, at the office or here, I'm smoking stuff with white bands on it. In this instance, no band. Oh, uh, how do you keep uh, track? Uh, you know, uh, I have the, the I have a the, the greatest purchase any cigar man any cigar blender will make in his career is a dino label maker. Nice. <laughs> That's smart. Dino label makers are I, I have gone through three of them. I have I'm on my second one here at home and I have one in the office. Uh, because as soon as know. someone gives me an unbanded at the show, I'm like, dog, why you give me an unbanded cigar? I'm going to forget this conversation in like 30 yeah. seconds. I, yeah, I get the bundle from Nicaragua. I and it, even though it's got the the information on the bottom and tape that tends to disappear or fall oh. off or whatever. Yeah. So I dino label that and then I dino label the bag. It's in. So I always I always know what I'm smoking. Well, I'm, all the fun. I'm, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead, Coop. Go ahead. No, the funny thing is, I gave all my unbanded samples. Bear collected the samples for everyone, and this year I had this system. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna label everything right at the show. Except I forgot <laughs> to tell Bear that, so everything came back unlabeled again. That was. Uh, Our, that and was... you'll see me at the show. I'm not I'm not one of those guys with the pocket protector, but I have a sharpie in my pocket nice. all the time at, yep. at the show. Yep. And you know, this instance this year was probably the biggest year ever. I've got. I received five or six. Oh, these are, this is a blend I want to come out with. Can you give this a test? Yeah. So I, I wrote what, it, you know, even though the band has their code, I wrote who handed it to me, you know, so I can smoke them later. See, I, I didn't get that, Hector. I got, fuck you, you'll probably hate it anyways. So I don't, I mean, I still got a cigar, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if they're pacifying me by giving me the cigar or they actually want my yeah. opinion or my input, but either way, it's, yeah. uh, it's nice to, I, I, it's nice to get a sample, you know, it's nice yeah, to yeah. get a, a test blend. I, I, I enjoy that a lot, you know. <laughs> You know, I was with the protocol guys this year at the show and and they had the they they had the basically the I, I guess this, the, I'll call them, you know, the samples without the bands for Phoebe Cousins. Right. Uh, Hector, really nice job on both of those blends. Uh, they were you know, they were impressive. So I'm, I'm actually very excited when that cigar is going to come out. All right. Yeah, I think they were both really uh, good. I mean, I, I enjoyed doing cigars for them because they're they're so different than the Espinosa stuff. Mm. You know, it's it, it's a little yep. it's a chance to, to yep. go in another direction. So uh, you know, I I, I think I, I think they'll be I think when eventually they get done or get around to being made, I I hope I hope they do well for them. You know? Yeah, I think uh, like I said, I, like I said, the blend I think is there for them, and that's always a good sign. Yeah, it doesn't hurt, right? Yep. No. Yep. All right, John, what do you got? Uh, so, uh, we were kind of talking before Hector got on and the funny thing is Coop and I almost got the same cigar. Uh, I was, I was waffling between two cigars, but I had to go with my, my gut and my gut was the Murcielago and it's the Robito size, which, you know, I'm, I'm a traditionalist and, uh, I think, I think Hector might've given this to me at the show, but, uh, man, it's just, it's San Andre done right. And I, I whine all the time when we do reviews about all the San Andre done wrong. And this is just the San Andre that I love. And so as soon as I lit it up, I'm like, there it is. There it is right there. Yep. Yeah. Very happy. You know, that's, that's a size, that's a size. And, I, and I'm sure Coop knows because he does, he does a lot of our reviews and he really does. He does put our, you know, our, all the stuff that we've done, you know, he does a little, what it comes in. You'll see Robito is, Robito is something that just like the six by 48, which I think is our size. We do a lot of Robitos. We do a Robito in the Prem and, and the, and the Habano and, you know, the Musielago and, uh, I'm hoping to to bring next year to bring in the Robito and the Lalanja, which I think would be our. Ooh, really I'm surprised you haven't done that yet. Now you, they say that, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, listen, we 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 still have a, a an issue with wrapper, you know, wrapper. Yeah, no, I just I just would have thought it was, like I thought it was out already until you said, you know, that's no, what, what we, I meant more. We do a very similar size. We do a Corona Gorda. We do a five and five. Okay, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, who's are you really gonna? Are you really going to change and get a three eighths more of a cigar with a pigtail on it? No. That's true. Well, That's true. So, some some reviewers might. Tough to say. This is true. This, yeah. this is absolutely true. Yep. <laughs> Those who will not be named. Those who shall not be named. Yep. Right. And Dave, what do you got? I have uh, the knuckle sandwich Maduro Ooh. Toro. Smoking that new new. Oh, I love this cigar. I've tried the Habano recently. I think I like the Maduro more. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Team Hector. Oh, uh, there's because this is a big split on developing palace, wasn't it, Serge? There was so, like, a big split. 
there, yeah, and, Hec- and Hector said, Hector said to me, he's like, I'm not going to steer it one way or the other. Just let me know which one you like more. And right out of the gate, I'm like, this is the one you liked, isn't it? And he's like, yeah. No. Yeah. So it's me and Guy Fieri, apparently, because you guys did a little sleuthing to try and figure out which one Guy Fieri likes. He has well, I, I think I, I can't tell you which one he likes more, but I, I am team, oh. team. The Habano is team Eric. Bro, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the cigars daddy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I've told you guys, every time I do anything, I, it's like uh, the Habano has become the kosher meal. Of the, of the Espinosa, of Espinosa yeah. airline. Oh yeah, yeah. Bring that yeah, on yeah, Well, Eric must have been thrilled last this past week with that ninety-two from CA. So I mean, that's a it's a bottle, baby. Was, was I was, that, I don't, I don't know if I was as thrilled as I was surprised because I really, I didn't think they would get around to that cigar yet. That's a, that's gonna, it's a contender. It's yeah. a contender for the list now. It's in play now. And so is sorry. the Musiello that. I don't know if it's the Rabito or the yeah, or the yeah. or the uh, or the or the Lancero. It might be the Lancero. That, oh. that, that now I don't well. I don't I don't recall. And this will come in the chat later in the year as we get closer to the, to the CA release time when we start insider baseball talk. But they buy fresh boxes, correct? They don't age the existing purchase and then re-smoke it. That's I what I understand. I, I don't know. Man. I don't. I, th- know. I think that's what they do. They go and buy a fresh box. Yeah. I so think I so. think that I think that and obviously not to kiss too much ass in the show, but I think that will go very well because uh, Espinosa tends to be one of those brands where if you smoked it now and it gets a 92, it's only going to be the same or better down the road, which I think is really good versus cigars that, you know, you, you, you're kind of throwing, throwing a dice in the air as to what you're going to get the next time you buy it. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, some, some months in isolation or you know what is it? Uh, I, in solitary, do do kind of take a little bit of the edge off our stuff, and, which is not really why we you know we make stuff that's with a lot of a with a lot of edge on it. But hey, like I said, it's 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 an honor to get a, a rating from from any of the guys that I that I respect and we follow. Uh, I just didn't think that CA would come now. I mean, I really didn't. Or yeah, they, yeah, it's a little early. Too, yeah, but I think the cigar's hot right now. They should, they should, they did the right thing here. I mean, mean, they were at the booth. uh, I know they they were at the booth, and (laughs) they, you know, they they did show some interest in in guys. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, you know, like I tell all you guys when you come by the, I just make the cigars. I don't, I don't know about all the other shit. I really, yeah. I, really I mean, I just, I'm excited to be, you know, when we get down to the CA talk at the end of the year, the fact that, you know, we're going to be talking about a couple Espinosa cigars in play. Yeah, I'm in not. The it always, it's going to be. It always makes me sick to my stomach that, yeah. you know, I've got three or four cigars uh, and then you can see if they make it or not. It's yeah. Always, uh, yeah. It's always one of those things, you know? Yeah. yeah. All right. I, okay. Yeah. I'm smoking. So I think this is probably your most underrated release from Espinosa Scars in the last 12 months. Completely agreed. All right. It kind of flew under the radar. Um, it is the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro. <laughs> and this cigar has gotten the attention of one Bear Duplissy right now who really, really likes this cigar and has been smoking it a lot. And when you start to see that, you have to wonder if it's a contender for his list this year, because Listen, that's, I, I'm I, just we, saying it, he we, is very hot. And I, this is a great, this is a great, great. We released blend. it late last year and I don't think anybody's reviewed it. 
not a single person has reviewed that cigar and listen it, it they unfortunately some of these things fall you know they, as you might try to space your releases out as much as possible but you know uh you know we can we can go back years ago to warhead 2 uh getting caught in the wake of laranja uh we can go back to last year where Asulejo uh the year or the year yeah last year Asulejo did uh you know it got caught with the the, with the oscuro doing so well the year before and some of the reviews so you know we we just gotta you just gotta hold yeah. wait you, it, listen like i've always told you i'm always a big i'm a big fan and a big believer in the tipping point yeah it just takes the right guy to smoke the yeah. cigar, to put it in the hands of the right guy, and the right people read it. And next thing you know, they will, they may be an increase. Th so this, we'll yeah, this cigar, this cigar is fantastic in the box press. I mean, it will be yeah. reviewed on Coop at some point. Um, but it is, like I said, I think it's it's definitely. The, but look, you guys have had a lot of releases in the last year, uh, a lot of high profile releases, you know. And on top of that, like I said, Azalejo uh, was kind of just starting to get momentum when this came out. So it, it, sometimes it's, I don't want to say it got lost, but probably it got, you know, there were a lot of these higher profile releases, but if you have not tried this cigar, um, I encourage you to try it. Even if you, maybe what Kramer wasn't your deal, I would encourage you to try this. This is, this is a very, very good cigar. I'm thinking that's, I, I'm thinking that cigar is right in Loomis's wheelhouse. Oh yeah. I, I gave up, I've given, I've completely given up trying to, to figure no, that I, guy out what is the guy I really I really think it's it's above average. I think it's better than average. So we'll, we'll see. Listen, Loomis is the he's the dean of Connecticut Shade. Right. So <laughs> and, as, and as they say in Jerry Maguire, you had me at box press. Yes. Yeah. You had me at box so, press. That was so, that's another funny story. What's this? Uh, it's, uh, did I order did we order that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, when when did we do that? Oh you must not you don't it's in my notes right here. We had that's a, that's that's a, that's another kike so that's the same kind of thing we we kind of snuck it in from left. You know, when when his head was turned, we brought her in. For, you know, we switched rooms with her. You know, we brought her in from the back. So uh, it's just sometimes you know when a cigar needs a it needs a little box pressing. And yeah. uh, the creme, as well as it's done, uh, I just thought we didn't have a six by fifty two. Let's do it in a box press and see what happens. Yeah. So um, it's great. Yeah. It, it's great. It's really good. Thank yeah, you. It's, thank you. Yeah, and it, it changes the profile a bit. It's um, but I think for the better. And then I, I was like Kramer. Kramer was the top 25 cigar for me when it came out. Po Poco Mas Intenso. Poco Mas. Po that's exactly how I say Poco Mas Intenso with this. Yeah. A little like, so if, if that's your gateway to the traditional crema, this is like your next step uh, into the uh, compound. I've been practicing my Duolingo. Getting there. Yeah. Slowly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are here uh, tonight. But to, uh, to talk about um, Nirvana Nevermind and um, which won the Battle of the Bands 90s Madness tournament, which we did with albums this year. And, you know, this um, this was a like I said, it was a, it was a fun tournament to do. And we and what we had decided like in the past, we had done this with artists and we did a show dedicated to the artists. Right. This time, Dave and I said, well, whoever wins, we do a show dedicated to the album. And we have a series we've done called Album Archaeology, where it's a deep dive into these albums. And that's essentially what we're going to do tonight is go into a deep dive on this. And, uh, you know, we uh, get a lot of the backstories and everything that goes on with, with this album and just some of the makings of it and what we think of the songs on it. And, you know, but what I'll just say is this, this album dominated the tournament. 
there was a little bit of a challenge from Dr. Dre, I think, in the finals yeah. of Hector's Bracket. That was the only time where this album, Dr. Dre was like really in a tight battle. And then this album pulled away. But but this yeah. album was never challenged in this tournament. Is So it was, you know, Hector had the comedy, picked this album first. And I think all of us tried to make a case for why we could beat Hector. And uh, Hector just... No, Hector. Uh, Hector clearly. Uh, I told you the, guys the, wire to wire. He said he called it. Yeah. I said this is going to go wire to wire. Yeah. Uh, is, is Jordan you know. putting up forty points a game? Like he just. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? You going to yeah. hold him? It's not going to happen. And yes. Like I, and, and listen, I guess I'll drop it now. Yeah. I don't like this album. <laughs> oh no! I love I don't, this album. I don't like this album. Remember, I'm not a big fan of this album well, either. This, is, a, this but, is perfect time to talk. But about I found, but I found a lot of good qualities with which we'll talk about. There's yeah. a lot of great qualities. First, you know, listen, I am not a grunge guy. The, yep. I the grungiest I get is Pearl Jam. Oh, this and, would be a problem know, then. And, right. and but and and you know, you we all shared our list of the ones we we all shared the guys the bands that we drafted. And then we shared the bands that we liked. And, you know, I had my, my, my albums that, you know, I had them in order. There was no, I did not believe for a minute that there was no, no album was going to be Team Spirit. I mean, that was going to be uh, Nevermind. No album no. was going to be Nevermind because I remember how impactful that album was. But you know me and, you know, you know my musical taste. And I'm a, I was a second English Invasion Wave guy, a new wave guy yeah. for a long time. And I just, you know, I went from there. I had that small little bridge of Little Fair where the Little Fair chicks were, were everything to me. I love them. And, and next thing you know, it's Dave Matthews time. And, you know, yeah. and then now, yeah. you know, now I'm old. And, you know, now I don't, I don't, I, I can't imagine going to the concert. But I know the, I can, I can be since honest enough to tell you, it's not one of my favorite albums outside of the, outside of In Bloom and this one and, and I can't think of the other. I'll, I'll look at the other titles now. I didn't really play it a lot. I owned it, but uh, you know, I I know the impact they had and all the bands that were spawned after these guys and the movement that they spawned. And you know, they were they were. I were they could you easily say or is it fair to say that they were the last big MTV band? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you can make that argument. You can no, make that you, argument. You can make that argument. Before, before guys my age stopped watching MTV, and then before MTV did us the favor of stopping playing videos. So I mean, you know, that's uh, that's the way I looked at it. You know, it's uh, you know, it's 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 the '90s for me. That album is the '90s, followed very closely by Ten. And those were the two yeah. finalists. In that, what it came down to was that was John's pick, uh, Pearl Jam Ten. And uh, what makes, and I think what makes Nirvana, and it's the sadness of his story the tormented artist the you know there's a lot blows himself up blow kills himself there's a lot of what this album has a a lot of that story in it which i'm going to get to all right so i mean that's i just wanted to yeah i mean listen i won because it was a competition i'm competitive i thought (laughs) i did the album that would win (laughs) if it would have been montavani or you know or something from dolly parton like dave thought I would have rode that horse till then. Yeah, there you go. So maybe maybe it's early, and maybe this is a question that we can re, re uh, reassess at the end after we go through the tracks. But in your guys' opinion, do you think that if Kurt wouldn't have killed himself, do you think the band would have still had the same trajectory? Do you think that like I don't mean from a success point of view because success yeah, is. Success I mean from a, yeah. from a legacy 
impact to the industry, you know, people kind of looking back through rose colored glasses and saying like that band was so impactful and, and this album is so impactful. Do you think that would have still hit the same way? Well, I mean, when you think of bands that are impactful, don't they always end up in a shambles? Always. Don't they? Yeah. End, didn't you? Couldn't you I, almost I, say that's, that yeah. you expected him to be dead at one point? You know, I mean, you know, yeah, it's I, the Beatles fell apart. Yeah. Uh, he fell. They fell apart. I mean, you know, listen, it's 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 is as sad as the story is. Could there have been any other ending for for Nirvana besides that? Didn't say. I think. Yeah. I think Surgeon, I think it would have been just as impactful, but I think they would have broken up pretty close to after uh, the yeah, In like Utero like album. In Utero album, yeah. Uh, I think I they would have broken. I think it would have been like Hector said, the Beatles. Because, like, I mean, you had Dave Grohl, who went on to form another Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band. Didn't and Kurt Cobain in the same band. And didn't they didn't they Nova check go on to another band as well? The didn't yeah, the, I think they would have broke up. Uh, I think they would have. I agree. Yeah. I think the album would still be as impactful, but I think as a band, even if he didn't kill himself, I don't think they would have been a band much longer after that. Can you imagine how sad it would have been to go to go to a foreseen Monsters of Grudge with the third iteration of Nirvana? Yeah. With, you know, maybe only yeah. Kurt Cobain yep. and nobody else from the band, or, or as we could call them now, the modern day Smashing Pumpkins, where you have, you know. That's right. The, <laughs> Billy Corbin and nobody else in the band. That but that's what it would have been like, I think. Yeah, and maybe playing yeah. by himself in a in a club and or, know, or just... worse, Kurt would have left the band and that would have it would have been you know, have journey with the journey with the Filipino thing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the that's the only yeah. there there. I just think when you look back, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. When you look back at this band, that's how it had to end. And that's how it that there couldn't have been any other ending as sad as it was. There couldn't have been any other ending for that. And then, you know, don't forget his death, all the trouble. And then all of a sudden, Courtney Love, you know, Hole makes, you yeah. know, Hole has comes out with an album that has a couple of great songs on it, you know, that spiraled out of control as well, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What do you, because you're, so how about you, Serge? Get on the plus side of this record, yeah, yeah. please. So, I mean, I'm, I'm of, uh, what do they say, of two minds with this album. So, I mean, I am the, I am the target market. I was 16 in grade 11 going into grade 12 when this album hit. So, like, that is, I was, I could not have been more the target market, you know. I was grunge. I was going through shit as a teenager. So, like, every one of these songs spoke to me. Um the problem is that, you know, <laughs> this album is is a tough listen to me because it just got played to death. Like, and, and you know, it's, I, I, we'll talk about it as the show goes on, but like, it's a double-edged sword of, of radio play for me is that like radio play can make or break an album and make or break a, a band. But God almighty, when you've heard like a particular, and we'll get to it, but the, some of these tracks have been played a hundred thousand like i kid you not a hundred thousand times on radio play and it's like if i hear that song one more time i'm not listening to your radio station anymore because you play it at the top of the hour every hour and you've been doing it for a decade i'm a yammo burn this motherfucker to the ground right it's 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 a uh, it's 40 year old virgin all over again right <laughs> and so that's uh you know there was tracks where i came to and we'll get to it where i was like oh my god I, like this is going to be a slog for me to listen to the whole thing um, but it, I don't think it takes away from, you know, there are some tracks on this album that are still as impactful. I'm like, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, God damn, that is a good track. Uh, 
but you know, as an album, it is, uh, it is now tough listen to. Oh, well, I adore this record. So I'm going to be pro this record. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. Wow. I had, I've bought it on multiple, uh, media. <laughs> yes. We talked about albums that you bought in multiple media. Yeah. Uh, and I have this album the on multiple media. The tape, the LP and the CD. Yeah, the LP, the 30 year anniversary just came out a little while ago. So, so I bought that up like the shill that I am. But yeah, it's uh, no, I love this record. So I will be very pro this record. Um, should we get into the history, Cooper? Yeah, uh, actually, I got my thoughts. Oh, your thoughts are like, this is awful. No, no. Um, album's not necessarily my favorite, but I understand the impact, the importance of, of the history of, of like music and you know we talked dave about a few shows ago 1991 how it was a big yeah. transitional year in music yeah. and top 40 basically came to an end and now here's the thing john i want to comment on john's point most of the u.s what john said was true this was all over like radio stations new york not so much yeah because New York has uh, is a melting pot of music is the problem, right? right? So it really, you had to kind of be outside of the city to kind of understand what was going on with this album. Because like I said, there was a lot of dance music, hip hop, Latin jazz, and all that was in New York. Um, I had not really gone deep with this album until this exercise. I had heard tracks off this album. Um, but here's what I'll say. This is where subscription service is good. I probably wouldn't have went and bought this album, but the fact that it was on my subscription service intrigued me enough to go listen to it. And I think there's a lot with this album. And I think the one thing that makes this album is you need to have a good personal crisis. And there's a personal crisis uh, in that Kurt Cobain before Courtney Love was dating someone named Toby Vale. And it's been everything been reported that that relationship was a train wreck for him. And he was coming out of the relationship at the time this album was, was being recorded. And Dave's going to go into a lot more of the history of this, right? And I think sometimes when you have those, like, big events happen in your life, it, it sometimes really, you know, triggers the creativity. And when we get into the tracks, I'll talk, I'll reference a lot of the points with that. But when Dave, you have a... Ha happy artists don't make good art. Yeah. Oh. It's true. It's true. And Only Dave, you Pat got... Boone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... The band, to your point earlier, um, Surgeon, is it's very Joy Division-like in a way. Like if if you remember Joy Division, they weren't around for a long time, but the albums got huge, and then, um, and then, uh, and then the uh, Kurt, uh, then he died, the lead singer, Ian Curtis. Uh, yeah, Ian Curtis. Thank you. Yeah. And then he, and then they went and formed uh, New Order, which is sort of like Dave Grohl going and forming Foo Fighters, really. Yep. Yep. Very much so, so it's sort of a similar trajectory. And, and this, is, this, this is kind of a theme that you know is often played out in in the industry i think but this one this is kind of like the um you know when you talk about nfl coaching uh you know the what do they call it where you got all the the lineage coaching tree the coaching, the coaching tree. tree and right. this is the grunge tree you know you get the pearl jam oh, yeah. and nirvana and you got the, the the sort of music tree and just how much influence and how far spread that was for like the next 15 years in the industry oh yeah yeah very impactful yeah i love that crochet tree thing I, we maybe towards the end of the show we can we can touch on that again nice. I, I love the coach yep. nice yeah that would be a good one uh so history i'll try and oh go ahead is that's that sorry, sun, is that say, that'd be a really interesting show 
Is that sun on your face, Dave? Looks like the it sun is. Came out. The oh fog has gosh. lifted. Yeah. The fog has lifted. A little, little that sun can warm it up just Eyelashes a bit. Eyelashes will melt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now it's going to get to like 30. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so, all right. So, Nirvana was formed in 89, which, because they had Bleach before this record, it was actually like a four piece band. So they had rhythm and they had a different drummer. And then they had Nova Selic on bass, which Hector talked about, and then Cobain. So Nova Selic and Cobain were like the core members at the time. Uh, they were on Sub Pop. Then this album released in 91 on Geffen because Sub Pop was getting sold. So they kind of recorded a couple of the songs already, but they were like, oh, Sub Pop's getting sold. I don't want to deal with that. And they sort of jumped to Geffen and uh, DGC Records. So they sort of jumped ship there. Now, the other thing that made not only did the, this made the producers well, so Butch Vig is a producer and sort of this album made Butch Vig. So it didn't just make Nirvana. It sort of made him as a producer. The great producer. Uh, you got to have the great producer with a great album. Yep. Tell him. I always say that. But so th- yeah. if I can interject, who? Yep. I mean, to me, I didn't know who Butch Vig was until 1995. Yeah. When he's with Garbage. You know that, and I, because I yep. love, and as you guys know, I love those bands. Led, I love those bands fronted by women. Yeah. So you know, it's it's yep. in listen, yep. it's in listening yep. to listening to the album again today, like I did as I was driving around town. I said, "Well, let me listen to it on Spotify," and I was like, "Wow, that sounds so much clearer than it sounded when I the remastered yeah. album they have on Spotify." I remember having it on CD, and I was like, "I can I can see where I can see some of the influence that Garbage got." With the guitar, oh, yeah. you know, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to step. No, no, oh, no, yeah, I mean, and much like with with garbage, like with Butch Vig, is they recorded in Madison, Wisconsin, so they sort of split Madison and California recording. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that they recorded this in Wisconsin. I was surprised when, when yeah. you had pulled that up. Yeah, they sort of split the the two areas. Um, so they're getting ready to record. Butch Vig is like, let's do this. They fired their drummer, Chad, uh, Chad Channing, because he was just being too difficult. So they're like, you get out. <laughs> and then they fired. Uh, I'm sorry. They, they fired the rhythm guitar, Jason Everman. They're like, because he kept getting too drunk to like record. Uh, and so they're like, you get out. And, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they they're Kurt and Nova Selic were big fans of the Melvins, like if people know the Melvins, they're like sort of a, a grungy, punky band sort of around that time. And they're just like, hey, we know this guy called Dave Grohl. Do you want to check him out? And they said, sure. So this is actually Dave Grohl's first record with the band, which is a pretty good first record. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> you're going to have one. Um, so this is his first record. And we'll talk about his drums as the songs go on. Yep. They only had a budget of $65,000 to make the record. <laughs> and the record went five times platinum. So I think the the, the record company made okay in the, the deal. And the video cost about $80 to make. Yeah, I mean, right? They did, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. cheerleaders with tattoos and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a custodian. I mean, yeah. you know, it's... So the, but with Vig, they kept, he kept wanting Kurt Cobain to like overdub vocals. And Kurt didn't like to do that. So he said, oh, but John Lennon did it. So Kurt's like, okay, I guess I'll do it. But they hated, they ended up hating Butch Vig so much that they brought in 
uh, Andy Wallace, who is one of the producers of Slayer. Which is such an odd, like, I don't, like, I'd love to know, like, how that conversation works. Like, like I how don't do you know. Think that's going to translate. I don't understand yeah. that. So they brought him in as a consultant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so he came in for a little bit and then, you know, went on with that. Um, the cover was they had a photographer, Kurt Weddle, who sort of followed around the band. And it was actually his son, Spencer, is the one in the cover. You mean the, the, the one who wants to get paid now? 20, yeah, there was a yes. lawsuit. Oh, yeah. Yep. There was a lawsuit filed. Yep. Lawsuit. Embarrassing. So oh, little, so little he, that's the, the cover. Yeah, the, ju- the, the, the judge actually dismissed the lawsuit, and then it was refiled like a week later, earlier this year. And apparently, yeah. apparently Spencer Waddle is the baby on there. And yeah. that's and that's where to hold. So he wants to get paid on it, essentially. That's crazy. So but, yeah. but he's but he's like calling child pornography and with, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, they, he's. Yeah. 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 But uh, so they got that. Apparently, the idea came from like Kirk Cobain and David Grohl watching documentaries on like water births or something. And they're like, hey, I got an idea for an album cover. This would be cool. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Let's get a nude baby. Yeah, yeah. In, in, the water. in water. And David Grohl's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. I'm all in on this. Dig I'm all it. in yeah. on this. Right on yeah. the cover. It's like, <laughs> what? What? So uh it's gone five times platinum, like I said. It's still like go sometimes like we'll be in the top one hundred record sales of the year. Still. That's nuts. Um and what what's crazy when I when I compared it to Joy Division is that Cobain killed himself in ninety four. A lot of it is around. It's sort of like um, Amy Winehouse in that, like, people were starting to use Cobain, like, essentially as an ATM. Uh-huh. Like, they're like, oh, you're famous. Give me money. And so he was sort of being, uh, like, put out a lot. And he didn't like that and became more reclusive and then ended up killing himself in 94. The band wasn't really big till this album came out in 91. So really, as a band, they're only really known from between like 91 and like 93 ish which is not yeah. that long no for as much impact as we talk about it's really only a couple albums and a couple of years really there was there's a lot of parallels to me with and i know it's a different genre but with notorious you know you kind of have a similar thing where you think well this guy had an eight-year career and it's like no he didn't no he had a he had a couple albums yeah and yet you know he's looked back on I mean, obviously, the the impact the industry is much different, but it's it's a similar idea in that, like, for only a couple of years, how the hell can this one artist have such an impact in the yeah. industry that still yeah. carries on thirty years later? Like, that's yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I think what we talked about. It's a guy. It's it's when you when you look at the Mount Rushmore of grunge, how is his face not on it? He, he, he's the yeah. Lincoln. Yeah. Sometimes I, you don't need a long. You know, we we always forget the Beatles were only together seven years, really. Yeah, yeah, and they so, stopped touring near at, the end at, there at as well. Right, where music yeah. acts were around yeah. for twenty plus years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're talking yeah. about Rolling Stones for fifty years right now. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I'm it really the was Ger- the Geritol tour. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the other thing which we'll talk about is what they're sort of known for now is taking the Pixie song structure, which is is a uh, quiet verse, really loud chorus, right. quiet verse, yeah. really loud chorus, and they just blew it up. So. For as much as we talk about the sound really taking over music, it was a sound that was already established, really. But they just sort of like hyper, hyper accentuated it. Talk yeah. about an underrated band. Pixies, yeah, man. 
Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so the album itself is pretty crazy how it all came together. And like I said, it's David Grohl's first record, right? So this is his first big band, and it's never mind. Uh, I mean, he should have Costanza that one album. I'm out. I'm out. Always leave on. He could. Always leave on a high note. Well, he could have. I mean, he did all right for himself in the end. He did. I think he did. But it it is very like Beatles. Like it's a very sort of like, you know, you have in grunge, you have like two of the three top uh, figures in the same band, you know, which is like why I think they would have broken up anyway. It's like the sort of creative talent of both. Like you couldn't have one band and both those people in it. Once Dave Grohl sort of got going. That's we're making. We're making a huge leap of faith there to think that. Yeah. that Grawl would have would have continued in that upward, you know, he would have become who he, who he is now. Yeah. I mean, there are some guys who are just happy to stay in the band and, and you know, not, not you know, there are some guys who don't want the limelight. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe his fame and, and notoriety came from a need to to move on from the shadow of what that was a band that no longer was ever going to tour. I mean, because listen, yeah. You can, you know, they tried to replace Michael Hutchins. We saw how that worked out. Ooh. They tried to replace Steve Perry. You just, there's some guys you can't replace them. You can't replace them, yeah. No, and, and that's sort of what, that's sort of what he and Novacella came to because at the time he died, Nirvana was still huge. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's not a situation like Metallica and Megadeth where, you know, Grohl leaves pissed off and he's like, fuck you no. guys. Like, it just sort of, it just sort of no. happened. And you know, as far as I'm aware, there was no animosity, and he, he just no, you know, he, he, yeah, he just ended up being huge on his own right. Which, yeah, you know, I mean, they just made the decision we're not going to replace Kurt, like the yeah. band's just done. Every, which, every, everybody wants to say that all band members are equal, but not really. No. John Bonham no. dies, Led Zeppelin keeps yep. playing, Keith yep. Moon dies, the Who keep playing. Yep. You know, it's uh, lead singers, lead singers just. They're a more valuable pawn. They're a more valuable uh, board piece than, yeah. than the other guys. And, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Hall of Fame on this show, and a lot of times the bands that have a lot of turnover, they've had more trouble getting into the Hall of Fame. It's the bands oh, that but, stay together, yeah, that, that yeah, tend to get wait in. Wait a minute, quicker. we can we can when we go to that when we go to that uh, the thing John talked about earlier. What did we talk about? The uh, coaching tree. When we talk about the some of these band coaching trees, uh, there's some bands that. That managed to to well, well. Let's not get off this guy. Let's just remember that topic for later. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I'm not disagreeing with you on that, Hector. You're right. Dave, uh, I had a couple of notes on album construction. Yeah, get in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we this is the ninth album archaeology we've done on the show, and I think for the Ooh. first eight we've always talked about the concept of side A and side B. Yeah. I don't think you really have it on this album because this was kind of a. This was more this was kind of done for the CD. This is, it's sort of like Jagged Little Pill, where they were like, we'll right. just put it all on there because right. we don't have any right. like space limitations. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, that was probably the other one. You're right. Jagged Little Pill fell into that book. So I, I don't I didn't try to break it up by side here. I did no. look at order a bit with, with this, but not as heavy as like some of the other albums we talked about uh, where we kind of um, talked about about the construction of it. And here's the other thing that was really, you know, interesting is, you know, we I talked about the demise of Top 40, right? And Top 40 was always about under four minute songs, right? And here you have Grunge, which is one of the alternatives coming out. But yeah. every track on this album, except the hidden track, which we'll get to, was under four minutes or under, which I found oh, very yeah. interesting. Oh, so yeah. it was an album. And I think that's why, going back to John's point, why this album got so much airplay. 
because the songs could be yes. played. Um, but of course, the, the the irony is that you're dealing with uh, you know, you call him the band lead lead singer that like notoriously was so anti corporate and anti yeah like like that's yeah. yeah. And it's his it's his music to do with what he pleases, but God, he must have been such a pain in the ass to work with. I have no to, doubt because yeah. he would have said, "No, I don't like. I, I don't want to do radio play. I don't want that." Like, and you can just see with every single thing in this, he would have been fighting it every w- step of the way because that was sort of his mentality of like, "I don't want to be a corporate sellout. I have no fucking interest in selling this or having you know." So like, I, I can fight. see him there with his unkept hair and green sweater. Just yep. so Stink, complain, just complain. Stinky like it. weed. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Just that, 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 that Seattle or, uh, yeah, Seattle. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to get uh, to the actual record here, Coop? And get to Let, the. Let's get to the tracks. Yeah. We're kicking off a pot lift. You know, yeah. The, the, the opening track smells like teen spirit. This was genius. Uh-huh. First song, first release off the song. Yeah, so so what? Like, yeah, just jump in. What do people think of the the track? I don't. I don't know. Listen, I it's 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 the it's the it's the most. I mean, what what hook is more popular in the night? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there. There is no more. There is no more recognizable track than that. But I think I'm more I'm more leaning to the fact that I like when when producers and artists say you know what this is the strongest song on the album right it's going to be the first song on the album i like that because it it kind of you know it kind of kick starts you know it, it kick starts what the album's about and you know you're not going to let a kid down i mean we're we're of the lp generation and yeah uh, and and coop you know who was born in the 20s you know, during his Petrola era and his <laughs> exactly. you know, it's hard. It was hard to find. There was nothing more annoying than buying an album. And even though you bought the new whatever album, you like you bought moving pictures. Well, I want to I want to listen to, you know, there's nothing worse than having to move your move. The oh, needle yeah. Move the needle to over, the third yeah. song on the album. This right. one, as soon as you pop it in, bam, it's I like that. I like I like albums where the first song is the one that you first heard on this album. Not necessarily the best song on the album. I mean, but it's an impactful song. It's a gateway song. It's got to be the gateway song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, to your point about the sound, Hector, I mean, it, it had, this first song had, shows so much, I don't want to say range, but different sound that is, you know, some of it's derivative. Like, yeah, there's some really crunchy punk in there where it's like, you know, it's not what I would call prototypical grunge because yeah. it's like very, uh uk punk and then you know at the three minute mark he goes on this like tear with the guitar which like i could have seen that in a 70s metal album right right in the middle of a metals out so like you know it's this combination of of lyrics and acoustics and crunchiness and it's just it wasn't a sound brought together in a way that you know you'd ever heard before and as you say, like it just punchy from the very first few seconds, you're like, well, tonally, this is what this album is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of hard to explain like how big the song was. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, at, at the time, because it just sort of dominated music and culture when oh, yeah. it was released. And uh, it, we talk about when we do album archaeologies, how like the first song teaches the listener what the rest of the album is going to be like. 
and like how to listen to it. And like your point, Hector, like this song is like a key example of that. Because you listen to the song, you're like, oh, my God, like, what am I <laughs> what am I in store for here? You know, listen, I mean, I, I if I if I think back to, you know, in 90, 92, whatever, 91, 92, when, you know, I, I started, I really started to put a music collection together, even of older albums, you know. I, I noticed all the new albums, man. The first, the first two or three songs are the, are the, are the airplay songs. You know, very rarely yeah. did you get an airplay song in the back half of an album. Look, I use the Joshua Tree as the greatest album of the '80s. A lot of people might not agree with me. The, the first release was song three with or without you. The second yeah. release was song two. But when you and the third release was uh, where the streets have no name. But when you yep. bought the album or you bought the CD, when you bought the CD and you put it in. There was, a, even though as much as I hate Lenoir and Eno, because I think they, you know, yeah, they they catapulted U2 to the next level. But, you know, Bob Clearmountain could have taken U2 to the next level as well. <laughs> that that album, that, that, that first song, even though it wasn't the first release, that first song set the tone for what, uh, yeah. that, what Joshua Tree was all about. And like Coop said, and, and I think John agrees, you know, you when you, when you, when you press play and you hear, you know, you hear those first licks, and then you hear that song. You went, "Well, fuck!" You know. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess here we are. Well, I guess yeah. I, I, I didn't have. I don't have any questions. Uh, any questions? No, no. I, yeah, that's I, right. I have, I have an idea of what's coming. You know, and and is and you know, getting back to the stuff that why you know his, you know, we now we look back, musical genius and all that stuff. But I'm like, man, this this voice is a little man, a little little despair in this guy's voice. This guy. Oh be, yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody, well, somebody, some, somebody get this guy some Xanax and a psychiatrist. Yes. Because, yeah. Get him. We need oof. a. We need. We need like a Xanax yeah. lick in the studio. We just you know, you know, say what he, you want uh, when you compared him to Ian Curtis. You know. Yeah. Ian Curtis, the music around them was different. You know, the Ian. Yeah. He was depressing as fuck as well, but at least the yes. the music, you know, was a little more upbeat. He uh the the song itself. So the title comes from. Catherine Hanna, who's the lead singer of Bikini Kill, mm-hmm. like spray painted uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit on Cobain's wall because uh, one of the girls in the in Bikini Kill wore it and really liked the deodorant and Cobain would like rip her all the time. And so they and he's like, oh, that's a good song title. And then like and, and then took thing, it and never once did they utter it in the song. And no. he he grew to really hate this song because he just felt like it was taking all the oxygen out of the band. Well, think about like, it. Like, don't, yeah. all don't all the great bands hate their biggest song? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you imagine, oh, Led Zeppelin's going to tour again. It's like Stairway yeah. to Heaven, yeah. I got to play Stairway to Heaven again? I mean, you've got to play it 98 times yeah. for this it, tour it, that we're doing. Except Sting, he, he just can't get enough of every breath you take. But that's another thing. <laughs> and, and, and Coop, Coop has some great commentary on one of the tracks that's coming up, and I agree with him. But I'm, I'm surprised that after all this time of all the tracks, and this track has certainly got probably the most play of any of them, it doesn't, it isn't, it hasn't been grounded in the dirt in the same way that some of the other tracks have. And I'm surprised mm. by that, given how many times yeah. I've heard this. I still listen to it and I'm like, yeah, I mean, there it is. Like, you know, I, I can listen to the whole thing. I'm not like, you know, looking to, to, to the skip to the next track. Like I can, I can still feel it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my comment on this was like, it's a it's a quintessential grunge track. And if oh, you yeah. get, say, OK, if you're giving a primer to someone to get, introduce the grunge, not just introduce this album, but introduce the grunge. It's a good track. 
listen to this track and you want to see what it brings to the table. Um, you know, Dave, you mentioned a whole pixie kind of concept yeah. and all. And it's just that's what this track brings. And it's 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 it, there was no other track in my mind that should have been the opening track on this album. Grunt, it's no, the you grunge, it's the grunge anthem, is what yep. it is. Yeah, 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 yep, exactly. Listen, uh, let's 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 compare. You know, like I said, we different styles of music, different. We all favor different things. If I ever hear Sledgehammer again, <laughs> we, we we did an album archaeology on Soul, and I we had similar comments. It was like that's the least one of my least favorite songs on yeah. that album. I can listen to Big Time every time it right. comes on. Yep. every time I hear it. Like, right. If I ever hear Sledgehammer again, I swear. I, I just it, I don't get past the first ten seconds of that song. Oh yeah, can't, or change change the channel. Can't yeah, do it. it was uh, MTV destroyed that song. Wait a minute, that one. Oh, and shout too. I can live without shout. So yeah. I love shout. I love shout. I I can listen to every other album. As a matter of fact, when I listen to that album, I start with I start with song number two. I no, if you I listen to enough shout. If you listen to shout, the unedited radio version, it's much better. You hear the uh, seven minute version is much better than the four minute version. <laughs> yeah seven minutes seven minutes yep uh the next so you go from smells like tin spirit to what their fourth single would be which is in bloom is the next track um so what were some in bloom thoughts so yeah i mean this <clears throat> so i feel like in this you know because we just finished talking about how this is like the teen, smells like teen spirit was a grunge anthem I yeah. feel like Bloom is more of a core, what people think of grunge being mm. when, when they think of grunge, they think of in Bloom. They don't think yep. of Smells Like Teen Spirit because I feel like the combination of the vocals and the instrumentals, it's less power forward and it's more of that slower melodic yep. drum, bass line, guitar, acoustic guitar. And to me, this this is more, you know, what would later become the sound of grunge, I think, for me, rather than Smells Like Teen Spirit. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. That makes total- I mean, I think Nova Selig's bass on here is great. Like, it, oh, yeah. it's just a great backbone to the track. Um, they actually recorded this when they were at Sub Pop. So this is one of the songs they brought over before they moved. And uh, if you listen to Bleach, um, the previous, this is the closest, you can kind of see how, to, to, to your point, uh, Surgeon, how Vig was trying to take that sort of crunchy grunge and like slick it up and like popify right. it. Right. And, and then you sort of get that with this track, like that crunch and everything is there, but you have that sort of slick sort of pop glitter over the top of it. To take out that sort of dirty punk sound, that sort yes. of rough. Dirty punk sound and make it a yeah. little more smooth. Just round it, round it off round a bit. It yeah, off. yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. And he That's and he and that was his that. sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. It was polished. Yeah, polished. yeah. I mean, this album. You compare the two. This album is really polished. Like for how much we're going to talk about how crunchy it is, it has punk in it and pixies in it. If you compare it to their first record, like this is really polished record. Yes, agree. We, we got a good, we got a good, like, if you're, again, if you're kind of going into grunge, uh, very new, and you hear the second track, Dave Grohl's going to shine on this track. Yeah. Uh, his drumming, you're going to say, who's this drummer? Because it, it, it's very good. And I've heard the version with, with uh, Channing, 
And I think Grohl stayed the course with this, though. So I want to give, I don't want to say it was Dave Grohl's magic or anything. This, that drum beat is what makes this, I mean, makes this song. Uh, and it's a good drum bass combination with this song, too, is what I, what I see. Um, but yeah, you're going to come out and say, but Dave Grohl is someone special when you listen to this track. All right, should next we get the next track out of the way? Yeah, let's, let's come as you are. Come as you are, John. Uh, get in there. Not that uh, uplifting. Yeah. I guess I got, I guess I yes. got to sing a song before I go shoot up and kill myself. Oh, That's geez. right. Man, this was, I, I put a comment at the beginning. This was the most radio friendly track on this album. This was the track we heard in New York when this album came out. Right. It was being put. It was more radio friendly, I think, than some of the others. Um, it was, it had this, like, that it had, but it has a great intro. I love the intro into this song. Like, mm. when you get into the song, it's, it's mm. just one of the iconic intros. That like but, guitar, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a little controversy about this song though, because um at this was the second single, and they were trying to decide whether it was gonna be Come As You Are in Bloom. And there is probably a sampling that happened with this of a song by uh, the killing joke called 80s, which was released in 1984. So and if you listen to that song, I went back and played it, it's a very similar kind of beat in that song. Um, but ultimately, Kerbane, he I think he wanted to release In Bloom. He was concerned it was too close to that 80s, but he um, agreed to release Come As You Are. I guess Killing Joke wasn't happy when the song came out, but they never filed a lawsuit on that. Um, so um, basically, I think one of the, uh, the guitarists, uh, Jordy Walker, basically said that he was not happy about it, but he just said uh, Nirvana handled it bad and probably should have given them their due. But uh, I didn't know that until I was doing a little research into this song that they had sampled that. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's yeah. And, and a lot of this song, too, is there's a line in there called like doused in mud, soaked in bleach. Um, which it mirrors like at the time Seattle was doing an HIV message for needle users to like bleach their needles so that they if they were dirty. So a lot of this is like it in Cobain's like heroin when he was like deep into heroin. And so a lot of this is like heroin related um, and kind of which will end up killing him really in the end is, is that his heroin addiction is not going to help things. I would I, mean, I would think the shotgun is going to do that. Yes. Well, yeah. just, you know, I mean, after I, I, I did a little police work, I'm going to go out of the limb here and say the shotgun is oh, yeah. one culprit. I'll give you that. Listen, I don't think you, the heroin helped. If, if you're making a post breakup album that you just want to feel like utter shit, you know, this might yes. be the lead track followed by, um, you hold know. That, hold that thought, Johnny. All right. Hold that thought. All right. Oh, here we go. Because I think, yeah, I'm going to break up with you or I did break up with you. And I swear to God, I hated you. And I'm so glad. Right. I don't know what to do yet. I'm ready to go to the next song. Okay. <laughs> well, Here we go. Which, let me completely... let me just finish this out by saying it was it was very very tough for me to give this track multiple listens for the show. Oh yeah. Uh, because the entire time I'm just like, oh my god, like I need to go eat some chocolate or something. Because <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be hanging in my in my office by the time the song is done. 
it's, it's, it, it, you know, as Coop was saying, it's very radio play friendly. And I think for me, that's the, 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 the what kills this song is that yeah, right. I just can't, I can't hear it anymore. I literally can't hear it anymore. Um, it's just, it's one of those tracks that needs to go into the archives and never be brought out again. I'm just answer to every breath you take. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so correct. I, I'm going to kill myself. So when lithium comes on, can somebody kick the chair out? Oh yeah, yeah, yes. That is the that is the most depressing track on the album. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, lithium. Oh, oh my god. And, and it was. Oh. Yeah. Yep. So and it was breed, meant to be depressing. It was meant to be depressing. Yeah. Your breed, your breed take, Hector. That's the that's next track. I, yeah, like he said, he goes, you know, this song is depressing and this and that. I just broke up with her. What am I going to do? Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to kill myself. Listen to this song. This is, the, yeah. you know, this is what I like. This is what I like to call the beat. This is the uh, the bridge in my suicide compilation mixtape. Mix oh, lithium is just absolutely sad to me. To me. Oh, yeah. Lithium, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to. There's not much I can add to that. I mean, oh, God. I mean, I just didn't get it right in the first four minutes. Of, let me depress you more in this in yes this yep. there's there's quite a stretch on this record um because you have breed which is the the next track after um which is is pretty pretty grungy kind of closer to their bleach stuff is that the one with the is breed the one with the the heavy drum solo at the beginning yes yes yeah, i really there, love like so, so much more as and coop said up tempo and like to me that's exactly right the energy level is just a complete 180. Yes. And, in fact, and this I, has a lot of the vocal dubbing on it that Cobain hated. Vig put a lot of this on here on I that Breed he record. He was show. right to do the overdubbing because it, I mean, I think it comes out really well. And honestly, you know, on the whole, this might be my favorite track in the entire album. All right. Okay. Lithium, really? Lithium's your favorite oh, track? We're on, breed. We're on, breed. Oh, breed. oh, we're on Breed now. Breed, yeah. Okay, we're yeah. on Breed still, yeah. I mean, yeah, going, well, Going, going back, you know how you put the albums in order? Maybe they should have separated Lithium and, and Come As You Are. just A to, little bit. Just they should have separated the whole so middle that, of this record. Yeah, you know, this little, was... little Jimmy killed himself. He was listening to Nirvana. Well, how far did he get in song four? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. Listen, if you were to do a true side A, side B, Breed is side A, okay? Lithium and uh, Come <laughs> As You Are is side B. So side A is... Okay, how are you Deep feeling track. today? You having a good day? We're gonna do a side A. How are you doing today? You having a bad day? Okay, I guess it's side B. Yeah. Side we'll B. Have the ambulance on standby. Uh, you know, have the Novloxin uh, ready, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very upbeat song. It's very, uh, I like it. It's a very upbeat song. What do you think of Breed Coop? You know, this, this is one of those tracks. I feel there was a kind of a punk influence from the lyrical standpoint, because. It's a, lyrically, it's a really good track, but it's not the deepest lyric you're going to get. But it addresses the themes of teenage apathy and the fear uh, within the American middle class. You know, it kind of hits a hit of the people. Yeah. You have um, we can plant a house. We can build a tree. Just kind of those yeah. little lines like that where, again, they're not the deepest lyrics, but kind of you put it together in the song. This is where I started to look at this album with Breed. I'm saying. Lyrically, there's a lot with this album it has to offer. And as I get deeper into the album, um, and I'm always a guy about instrumentation, don't get me wrong, but I started to really uncover the lyrics in this album. I'm like, this this is another strong point of this album. 
that that's going into. Now, Dave, you mentioned about this being a raw grunge song. I I, I guess yeah. that's the easiest way. I, that's the easiest way I would say it too. It's not really a punk song in my mind, but it's more raw grunge. If that makes sense, there are punk songs we're gonna hear on this album. Though. Yeah, man. But like to, thinking about Hector's point, if you look at this part of the record, right, you go from "Come as You Are" into "Breed" into "Lithium." Into Polly. Oh, I can't. Polly yeah. is definitely side B. Yeah, it is. Polly's a B side. I'm sorry. It's not Polly's a, a B side. Polly's a popular a track on this album. I, I, and I love Polly, yeah. but goddamn, is that talk tonally very? Oh, good. this uh, this this section of the record is like pretty brutal. Re- like when you're looking like message wise, it's a tough section of the record. Don't like musically, it's great. But... To these next yeah. Because yeah. now it's now it's Hector's track, Lithium. This uh, is the third single they released. This is the third. This is this third single. Yeah, that song. You know, I forgot that. I forgot that that one came between them. Thank God. But, not, <laughs> but also, there there should have been like four more songs between it. Lithium is just very depressing. Just a very depressing song. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, uh, and. As we talked about before we started getting into the songs, was the writing on the wall for this band? Oh, really? It is. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, he, he took the tortured artist thing to the next level. Oh, yeah. Know? But uh, it, listen, it's a good song. It really is. Like I said, I wasn't a grunge guy, but I could, I could, I could, I could recognize a song that, yep. that people love, but it was just a little bit too depressing. It's yeah. I mean, the core hook, if you could call it a hook, is the "I miss you, I love you, I killed you," uh-huh. which isn't the best, you know. I killed hook. you. I'm not gonna crack. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. Can't you tell? I mean, he's the guy. You know, yes. Look at the the irony. He's telling you how happy he is, and he sounds like he's gonna go out and strangle kittens. You know, yeah. or, he, or somebody, you know, somebody shot his dog. I don't know. And that's sort of the core of Cobain, like really the band and his writing. It's like a lot. He does a lot of these contradictions where he'll have like verses contradict themselves. Or like when you're talking, Hector, you sing about how happy he is and the song is like ultra depressing. And yeah. it's it's this it's, it's sort no, of his thing. Yeah, it's no girlfriend in a coma, but it's all right. <laughs> that song, man. Um, but yeah, I, I think his vocals, I like his vocal on this track. Um, this was recorded on Sub Pop originally as well, but and, and Vig found this really hard to mix because the extremes between the verses and the chorus were so much that he found it really hard to mix it. He found a lot of this album hard to mix because of how quiet and loud they wanted it. Are we? Can is I, anybody? Are, is anybody going to say the obvious that he didn't have a great voice, or am I the only one who? Oh no, he didn't have a great voice. I do like it on this album, this record, though. This, well, uh, but I, I, I think this, this, the album. I think he, they played to his, to his voice. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the, the yeah. band played to, to what his sound was. Yeah, but you know, that, that just by, listen, by song ten, you're like. How do you speak? Yeah, yeah that's it, what it, I it, think. Well, yeah, not I mean, too much. I mean, not too much, obviously. Coop, Coop's got a great three lines there in his comments that you want to you want to touch on that, Coop. That's just yeah. so great. Yeah. So first of all, the contrasting quiet lyrics and booming chorus is fantastic in this song. 
it's it's well done. And during those quiet lyrics, the bass work of Novoselic is unbelievable. And it's just that bass work really keeps you engaged during the quiet lyrics. And I think it's what put this this wasn't just another grunge song. It put uh, Nirvana on the maps as players in this area. But I go back to the personal thing that Cobain was going through with the breakup of Toby Vale and his lyrics in this song that clearly reflect he was going through angst yeah. with this. And, you know, I just uh, lyrics are, I'm so lonely, that's okay. I shaved my head and I'm not sad. And just maybe I'm to blame for all I've heard, but I'm not sure. I'm so excited. I can't make to meet you there. I don't care. I'm so horny. That's okay. My will is good. So he was, this is, I think, really was inspired by this, like I said, what was every, all reports were, this was a very toxic relationship he was in with Toby Vale. And at the time, I think the breakup had, was occurring at the time, um, you know, when they were doing the, uh, the sub pop version and then they were broken up by the time they were in the studio for Nevermind. Mm. So, yeah. This, this, this is definitely the track that you listen to and you meet responses to text Kurt and say, Hey man, are you, hey. you, hey, are you okay? You good? Uh, okay. Yeah. Everything okay, bro? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cause he was not okay. And like I said, I go back and you can okay. see why he had the problems he had. I'm, I'm sure it carried over to Courtney Love. Uh, similar. Yeah. Talking about pouring fire on that, on that gas. You know, there's, oh. there's that, there's that old adage when you start talking to your friends and they're telling you, oh man, my last four girlfriends were assholes. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, maybe it's not them. Bro, I got a mirror like, upstairs. I'm going to fetch that for you. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I think we, we might have to give Kurt some credit for some of this toxicity that he, oh, yeah. that he had in his life. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing. Like, by the time he killed himself, like, so many people were sort of pushed out of his circle. Like, I don't think they found him for days. And it was like uh, a neighbor saw through the window or something. Yeah, I think it was a couple of days. So it was like there, there was no one checking out because he was like pushed so many people sort of out of the. From experience, I can tell you whoever found it smelled it before they found it. Oh, yeah. As you get closer, you're like, hey, that's not a good smell. That's no. Not, that's, not <laughs> no. A good smell. That's, that's definitely not a good smell. Because I think a, a neighbor saw him through the window or something like from the street or something so like yeah so everybody sort of like pushed away by that you can kind of see like you're saying see why polly polly get in there get in there surge uh you know weirdly (laughs) weirdly uh as far as the you know songs to lay in a bathtub to um this is probably for me, one of the one of the ones that I like the most, um, just because you know, I think that sort of quiet, the quiet lyrics with the quiet acoustics are a great pairing. I mean, this you know, this is the kind of song. So Hector was kind of talking about uh, girl bands, and like you know, the the sort of acoustic angsty girl band. Like this could have very easily been sung by a female artists, and it would have had been sort of very impactful as well. Um, it's just, it's, it's obviously like the other tracks, extremely depressing. Um, but I think it's got, it's got a little bit more, um, I don't want to say I can appreciate the sadness a little more rather than like, God, man, I got to stop listening to this track before, you know, before something bad happens like this one, I think I can appreciate a little more than, than lithium. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Anyways, you, you get a lot of back information on this day which i think is really good well like 
So it's a, it's the first real acoustic song on it. And he did it with like a $20 guitar that he bought somewhere that like was out of tune. Of course he did. Which, which gives it that vibe. This is actually one of the few bought it off recordings that Chad's on, the drummer. Before they booted him, he like plays, you know, the cymbal twice or something. So there's not much percussion on this record, but or on this track. Check. Cut the man a check. Okay, yeah, get him out. Get him out. Pay these but, man these, pay these man these money. Give these man these money. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you're saying, Surgeon, like it's a lot about, it reminds me a lot about, and we talked about this artist, the, the, um, Coop, the, uh, Tori Amos song, Me and a Gun. Yes. Yep. Yes, that's a great yep. parallel. Yep. Because it, because it's both about sexual assault. It's both sort of like a short song that's really stripped back. I mean, I guess a lot of, or, um, you got Tori Amos talking about her own experience, but in Polly, he's sort of Cobain's sort of like it's like externalized experience talking about sexual violence, like generally, which might make it a little more palatable, John, because you're like, well, this isn't about him. This is like, you know, he's talking about something else. Why? Why did he start with the "Come on, people now"? Uh, no, that's what. That's, that's not the right. That's song. the next. That's, that's the next that's track. Territorial Pistons. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, wrong song. I'm still. I thought we were on. I didn't know we were still on Paul. Forgive me. But yeah, so that yeah, but I love the track as well. I love the track. It was a big track when it came out. Yeah, you know, you look at this track. It starts out with a very simple piece of like folklore. You know, Polly Poly- Wanna Cracker, right? But the song is, but the song builds on it, and it's it's, it's much more complex. Like I said, it, Dave talked about. It deals with, uh, I guess, a, uh, I think it's based on a true story that there was some girl who was kidnapped and and sexually abused as a part of the kidnapping. And uh, um, Cobain kind of wrote this song, I guess, talking about what happened there. Um, and it's it's a bit haunting with the whole acoustic theme. Too. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the 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 soft symbols really work in this this track as well and again you go back to the bass work and, and the, the bass work gives it that haunting element if you, i wish i could have stripped down this to the uh to the actual individual tracks i would love to hear the bass work solo um it's acoustic done right i think uh, i'm not a the biggest acoustic guy but this is acoustic done right i think perfect placement in the album i think it's just right in the middle of the album where you get this too you know as you talk about it coop i think Polly is to Nevermind as Jeremy was to 10 for me, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Good one. Analogy, good know? one. Yeah, um, I did. It's a very good analogy. Yeah. It's dark, but it's externalized darkness. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. it becomes a little more palatable. Right. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> now we it's move, to your, Then we move to on ter- to Territorial Pissings. Territorial Pissings. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so they're like, enough of that. Let's get this. Uh... It's actually, it's, it's, once you get past that beginning, yeah, yeah, I the, the, I, this this song got some airplay, but I think it was like deep cut airplay. It didn't get, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a release. I've heard this song before, maybe on, I'm, I'm sure I've heard it on XM Radio. Uh, I thought it was a good song. I don't hate, I hate the title though. Yes, uh, what a fucking awful name for a title. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, man! Territorial pissings. Yeah. Now, I don't know in your notes, what's with the come on, people now, smile at your brother? Why did he steal that? Is there, there a reference I don't know why he stole it. It's from a 1967 song, Get Together by the it Young is, Bloods. But yes, I think I think this is why I think is that this the, Kurt loves contradictions in songs. He thinks it's like the coolest thing in the world. Like he does it all the time. So I think it, the fact that they have this really sort of like, you know, happy sort of like, you know, 
smile on your brother, and then they just sort of lose their minds. Right. Destroy right. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I wanted it. It's just sort of like, wouldn't it be cool if we had this and then just went crazy? Yeah. It's yeah. the only thing I can think the, of why they lifted it. And the incredible use of the word gotta in that song. Mm. Yeah. Gotta yeah. this, gotta yeah. that, gotta find a way, gotta yeah. do this. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know this song. It has a punk rock feel to it. It's a it's a high energy song. Yes. Um, Noblesek does the intro bass work on yes. this song, and I'm Dave. I'm gonna have you talk more about. You have a lot more notes on that. Uh, the bass work that's used in this particular song, which again really shines. Yeah, I love the bass. I just put that this song itself is a total assault on the senses. Yeah. Because <laughs> like everyone's at eleven all the mm-hmm. time, and it's like, oh my god. Uh, which we'll get a little bit in the hidden track as well, but they just like go for leather. I, I mean, they are going nuts. It's and not uh, a, it's, it's not a big song. It's a direct song. It's just very, yes. very yeah. it's very afraid. I like big songs. I like those, you know, songs. Yeah. You, you know, when you think, man, how many guys in that band? Three, you know, but yes, they, they yeah, yeah. Like, got like eight. it's not a big sound, but it's just a very, it is. I think punky is the, is the appropriate term. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can uh, see Green Day doing that. Well, so yeah. what's funny about that is when I was listening to this, I'm like, if this was off uh, a recipe for hate for um, bad religion, mm. I would have believed it. Like this, mm. totally the 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 energy of this track. I'm like, man, this is like, you know, halfway through the song, Kurt's kicking an amp over and taking yes. the, taking the mic stand and just smashing into the stage. I'm like, bro, like holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yes, Do you need a minute? Like, yeah, it's just, and it was, it was nonstop for the entire track, like just going but, ape shit. But it's almost like they all went to, like all of them. Like all usually them. you have one, but all of them are like, let's just all just go crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's almost it's like they went that. back and then they put in. I don't know how this was constructed, but it's almost like they all went back know. and put that young buds thing in. Yeah, at I don't know how it's at the end, either. kind of. Yeah. It's, I, I think that's what I think they kind of put that in later. I'm guessing that as opposed to building off that it doesn't feel like they built off that. It feels like this is something they put at the beginning. Now, this goes into another great uplifting song by the title of Drain You. <laughs> Which uh, they're like, enough of this, you know, not talking about being depressed all the time. Let's get back to that. Let's get this song. I, 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 I think it's I like this is one of my it's it's one of the least depressing songs on the album. Oh my bad. It's, oh. it's, it's, it's a good <laughs> song. It's it's not a bad song. But at least you know no. I, I wasn't reaching for my you know, I wasn't reaching for my lithium, you know what I mean? No. I like how you qualify that as least depressing. Like it's all, it's all it's, relative. There are some depressing songs on this album, bro. I'm sorry. I, Whoa. I listen. And I come from the I love the King of Mope. Okay, that's right. And, and there is some. This is a Morrissey guy. Yeah, uh, but Morrissey's like passively aggressive, mopey. You know, he's right. Never, Morrissey's yep. never gonna kill himself because if he does, then he won't have the opportunity to whine about things. To whine about it, yeah. yeah, never, <laughs> yeah I yeah. never once said I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and he killed himself. No, no, because he can't whine about it. Then can't whine about it. Yeah. <laughs> Drain you is actually. I think it's a very it's a very listenable song. No, I love the beginning of this track and how it kicks in. I love the I love that. Uh the um this Vig tricked Cobain into into layering his vocals on this song. Cause he kept saying they were out of tune and he needed to record another one. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, sorry, we didn't get we didn't get that one. We're, we need another one. 
and, and so and then he so he had to record multiple vocal tracks tricking him to do it and then layered them on top of each other later um he, he must have been a pleasure to work with right oh <laughs> even as a, even as a nobody i'm sure he was a pleasure to work with. i, I can't mean, imagine those two working together i mean just how many about you think he walked out of that booth and just like i need i need to go for a walk and come back and, and collect myself yes before i tell kurt what i really think you know because you know, drain you you know, he said, like, you've got in your notes, Coop, that, um, you know, uh, Vale telling Cobain uh, uh, one baby, one, one baby to another. And, like, you can just see Cobain just sucking Vale's energy. Yes. Producing yeah. this album, yes. right? That's exactly. The like, energy vampire. And energy then she, vampire. And then she said, it's my duty to completely drain you, is referring to Vale supposedly had this big with the power part of the relationship. Like she was the dominant one in that relationship. It was, and this came out a lot in the uh, biographies of, of Kurt Cobain that were done. So, and that's that kind of comes out in this song. Funny, uh, funny note when they were make. There's an interlude with a bunch of noises on this song, right? And uh, he made some of them with a the rubber ducky. <laughs> That that interlude, yeah, and that interlude, it's kind of like this distorted instrumentation that they have in there with that rubber ducky. But they do a great job coming in and out of that interlude too. I mean, it's just it's well, it's it flows well. It's it's a well constructed song here as well, with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just I just wish I was in the room when Cobain was like, you know what this drain you you song needs? It needs like more rubber home. ducky. It needs yeah. more rubber ducky. I'm the rubber ducky. And, <laughs> I mean, if I you ever wish like the Beatles thing, where you had a camera crew that happened to be filming that day when they were producing, oh, it, that yeah. would have been some oh. fucking amazing footage to be like, oh. holy shit, are they going to be able to finish this album? Like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Ironically, this became a B-side off uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" in the UK, and that's yeah, how this right. song really started to build oh, rubber, up a following r- rubber duckies are big in the UK. <laughs> uh, and then we get into lounge act, which for me is where the, it, it just, I don't, uh, I don't. Yeah. It just uh, loses gas. I don't know what's going on with this track. This is what I like to call the moment where I stop paying attention to the album and actually do stuff around the house. This yeah. Is, uh, it's just this is background noise. Now. It's very filler, isn't it? I don't I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. I mean, I what liked, do you think, Coop? I liked it. OK, it I, I, this song gets panned a lot. I really don't understand why. I'm not saying it's the strongest track on this album, but it's not bad. It's got a great intro. It's got a little bit of a punky stain. And yeah. again, you go with the lyrics. This is Toby <laughs> coming up again with the line. Uh, I'll arrest myself. I'll wear a heel. Now, that was referring to the fact that Cobain had a K Records tattooed on his arm. I guess that was her label to impress her that he had that logo right. put on and that's what that line is uh i'll, I'll rest myself i'll wear a shield like he basically I, probably didn't want to do it but he's got yeah yeah hey, yeah he had a little bit of self-esteem issue huh? yeah oh you reckon yeah <laughs> i mean he checked out i mean the guy checked out a few years later i mean uh i'm not you know I'm saying that's what he should how do. he how did he handle success oh not very well i'm sorry yeah not very well no <laughs> what Okay, I'm not gonna say it's the strongest. It's not the strongest track on the album, but I, the I don't weakest. think it's a. I don't think it's a. I don't know about that. Most people say it's the weakest, though. You're, What's the weakest yeah. song so far? Yeah, album. yeah. What's the it, weakest song on the album so far? So yeah. far to this point. Yeah, I mean this. This for me, if you had just straight dropped this track from the album, I wouldn't mm. have even known. 
wouldn't miss right. right. It just it just doesn't like every track up until now for me. You feel like it's got a fingerprint of a song, and to me, this doesn't this doesn't bring anything to the album. This song feels like a, a mishmash of two different tracks. And so it doesn't have a distinct sound or distinct lyrics or anything to me that brings anything to this album. Hector said songs to do house cleaning to. It's like, yeah, man, like I just, I didn't, I didn't, I don't connect to this song and I never got anything from this song. This track I could have skipped and I would not have been sad. If they were the Beatles, this would be the song George Harrison wrote. I mean, you know, this Ringo, Ringo, the, Ringo, yeah, Ringo. Yeah. It's the one Ringo. Ringo. Wrote. Okay. Uh, see, I think the next track was weaker, but that's a, yeah. Well, oh, no, 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 but this is the beginning of the end of this album. I mean, yeah. this is this is but, where you, when you hear this song, when you had CDs, when you heard this song come on, you'd go go look for your next CD. Oh, let me go get my next cu- the cult. I want to hear this, the the cult now. You know, it's I, you know you every album has those. They, I want to call them countdown songs. Okay, we've gotten all the we've gotten all the meat off the bone. Now it's just Meryl. Now we're just listening, you know, now we're, even though some guys like you like Meryl, but, you know, it's a. Uh, I think this too is a, is a product of having a CD and not an album mm. in the sense that you don't have to worry about space. Right. So you can just put like, oh, we recorded this enough, put it on. I mean, you, you wonder how much of that, like, you know, if you, it's one of those things where if you have to work at it, you know, I feel like if you would have had to work at it, this there's no way this would have been even in in contention in a moment to fit in the record. You would have been like, oh yeah, yeah no, that's got to go. If you had to find space because it's on a vinyl, you're like, where does this go? Yeah. Here, here's what I'll say. All right, you want to make the argument this could have been dropped from the album, fine. But I think this album, if it surfaced on like a rarities album, yeah, people people would like it. I I, I mean, yeah. that's where I'm kind of going with that. Like it would be cool on a rarities album. I agree, it's probably in the lower third of songs on this album, but but I think it would, you know, it probably maybe belong more on a rarities album. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to like the next track, "Stay Away," which you're sort of talking about, Hector. I love the drums on the track. I think it's got an interesting sort of talking verse structure that they don't have in the other tracks, but it's also sort of the album sort of losing gas at this point. And and here when when and I don't want to jump ahead. I I agree with you, but I think when we get to the next song, I think they should have put the next song in front of those three songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be- I agree because you yeah. know this. You know uh, what was the name of those reprise albums that just say yes and just say yeah. I, I'll, I'll wait till I'll, I'll wait till we get to the next song. I'm sorry. Oh look at this! That just got info for days, Hector. Just ready to go. Yep. Oh, I mean, I listen, love I mean, it. I I listened to it again for the first time in probably 15 years from Jeez. front to back. I listened to it today, you know, on the, from front to back for the first time in probably 15, 20 years. And you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that's good. Yeah. Oh no, 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 I don't like that one. I don't like that one. <laughs> I definitely don't like that one. Oh shit, this song belongs. They should have put this song three songs ahead. But go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh, and that uh, Noah, the conscious Canadian and Coop. What'd you think of the Stay Away track? So Dave, you got on here about the drums. I actually go in a different direction. I really like that heavy bass line, that strumming bass yeah. line out of the start, and then that bass backing to me. I, I really like that sound. Um, it's got that really cool punk core to it. Um, yeah. I think that's, to me, what I... But as Hector said, the uh, the order doesn't make any sense at all. Um, this, is, this is a track to finish out the album, for sure. Um, but I do like the sound here. I mean, go ahead, Coop. This is an interesting song. Again, I go back lyrically with it. 
um, it almost seems that Cobain combined two concepts with this album, with this song rather. One was it almost seemed like he had a writer's block, right? While he's right, like writing a song because he talks about how, like, how every line ends in a rhyme. I don't know why. But then he kind of transitions and goes, I think he goes back again to the relationship he had with Veil, uh, where he says, less is more, love is blind, give an inch, take a smile, fashion shifts, fashion style, throw it in, keep it in, etc. So I think there's like it's almost like a mashup of these two concepts in, in this song. Um, so again, I like I like lyrically this song. It probably musically it wasn't it it wasn't bad. Um, I think yep. you mentioned the punk feel and the drums are really good, but but I think lyrically there was there was some things going on with this song. Like it, it was almost like this mashup, is what I'll just say with those two concepts coming together. I think the structure of this record is really what uh, is sort of typical of when we move from vinyl to CD, and oh. that like they front load the singles. You know what I mean? So like all a lot of the singles are front loaded, which means the back half of records are really sort of just filling it out. Um, as opposed to like you were saying, uh, Surgeon, we'd have a side B and a side A, you'd probably want to have a good single on side B. Right. So they flip it. <laughs> you know? That whereas with CDs, they're really sort of front loaded in like the top five tracks. Yeah. Um and this album is this album is very front loaded, I think. Except yeah. for the last song, which is amazing. But other than that. Uh, so we go to one of David Grohl's first recordings. This is the first song he recorded with the band, which is On a Plane. This is the Love Myself Better Than You, which is a very sort of iconic um, line. I love that line. And it, and it talks about some of the alienation Cobain felt. Um, he also hints at an abusive relationship that his mom was in when he was a teenager, which the next song he sort of touches on, he's just kicked out of the house when he's a teenager for a while and sort of like lives around, surfs around. Um, and Vig, the end with Cobain and Grohl harmonizing at the end, Vig kept in. So there was a lot of discussion whether to keep it in or not, and he kept it, which is some of the, they don't harmonize a lot on this record, so it's no. some of the, it's really interesting, and then they, they, that's Cobain and Grohl, and they kept, he kept that in. But uh, but yeah, I mean that that um, I like that it's start, it's starting to pick up a bit for me. This record near the end here is starting to be like okay, we're starting to pick it up a bit. But what did uh, you what did you, you you had some about this Hector about this? I thought track. this I you know this song it, it you know after listening to the first the three songs prior, you're like oh wait a minute you know this mm. this this song you know, uh, we should have put this a little further up in the album since everything is a little yeah. loaded now. But I thought this was like one of those songs that remember when Reprise did those Just Say Yes, Just Say Yo albums. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where a, yeah. Where a, where a song would, you know, uh, a band would put a song that, you know, or they'd re-record a song. Or re I think it's, it's one of those songs that could have been on one of those albums, one of those compilations. Yeah. That, that you that if, for nobody who, you know, somebody who hadn't heard of Nirvana, if they lived in a cave or in, a, in an island in South Pacific could have said, oh, man, that's a great song. <laughs> or one of those guys who said, you know what? I love their back then when we had to, when you couldn't buy digital music, uh, you'd say, you know what? I've got to have everything. So, yeah. you know, since they don't have import albums anymore, or, you know, you'd go and get that, you know, you'd go and get that compilation. Oh, uh, import albums. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. a good song. I thought it, it, it could have been, it could have been easily maybe at the end of side A, if we were doing a side A. Side. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yep. Coop, you've got some really good comments here on the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, I think this goes back to more of a quintessential grunge sound. 
uh, I think the distorted guitars are fantastic on this song. Mm. Um, the interesting thing is Cobain was dissatisfied with this song. And he no, said, I can't believe that. Are you and sure? He basically said the song came out too clean. I'm not happy with the way it came out. Uh, at all. It okay. should have been a lot rawer. We play it live better. And here's the other thing. This song, again, lyrically is similar to the last one where it almost like <clears throat> another writer's block because he starts off uh, the lyrics here is I'll start this out with any without any words. Right. And then he kind of puts a mishmash of all these. It's more of a mashup. This song because there's a lot of different topics. He he hits in there. There's some stuff that he touches on him with the relationship with Vale. Um, you know, he's touching on um, the relationship with his abusive mother. Uh, the reference to the black sheep is a reference to Cobain himself. Um, there's a little humor yeah. thrown in there. Uh, when the lyric, there's a lyric in there that says, don't quote me on that. Supposedly, it was a joke that they had at the time it was written. Uh, Grohl has explained to a biographer, someone would say something like, where's the mayonnaise? And someone else would answer yes. in the fridge, but don't quote me on that. So there's a little humor. Like I said, I think this was another mashup type song that was done. It works. I think it works. It's a good song. I yeah. agree it should have been further up in the album. I think it's probably the, one of the hidden gems on, on this album for sure. I like this song a lot. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's hilarious that Cobain says it's too polished because like, yes, to me, yeah. this is, you know, you don't have to go too much further from this to become Sex Pistols sound. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Good God, man. Like the like the distortion <laughs> is is as good as you could go without getting into just being noise in the 90s. Yes, and so that's I think, a good point you make. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I would say uh, I think it was Hector that said, you know, this would be finishing out side A. Um, and and I put it here. This is the this would be the side A at the end of it where you go. Uh, this is this is the cry for help song where you start to go. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe Kurt's not doing OK. Right. Like there's some real darkness coming through on this on this track. Oh, yeah. Wait till you, um, wait till you flip the album over. Wait till you flip the, the yeah, album. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're really yeah. in for it. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but I, I really like that distortion. I I don't I don't think it was too polished. I think it was just polished. Enough. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, and like I said, you mentioned it was went in a different direction than some of the up-tempo tracks, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think mean, that was a good point, was, mate. You could say, like, it was still sort of fitting in that up-tempo theme, but again, you know, the DNA of this particular song, they take it in a different direction with that with that distortion, and I like that. I like that it's not a copycat of some of the other up-tempo tracks that they've done, so it, it's it's got a place in Side A for sure. Second, second last track or last track on Side A, if we were doing that. Oh, yeah. Now, I think this track, the final track, like we're not counting the hidden track. And I think I, can't, I, I cannot believe I didn't get that reference after just seeing this, Dave. Oh, yeah. I didn't get this reference at all. I mean, I didn't a, get it. either. Miss, I didn't get it either, by the way, until I saw I totally it was in the it. notes. Ooh, well, I this is my favorite song on the track. That's something in the way. And it's my favorite song. I think if you're doing a vinyl, this would be a good mm. end of side B track. This would be a killer single. Killer yes. single. Yes. Yes. And it's had a resurgence because it was in the Batman movie. And they had it in the movie. And actually, um, the guy that scored the movie, I forget his name off the top of my head. But he actually listened to the song as he scored the movie. So all the all the pieces in the score are sort of based off of the song. So if you listen to the if you watch the movie and listen to the score and listen to the song, they're all sort of like variations of this song. Um, I, the Vig found that Cobain was whispering so <laughs> quietly that he found it really hard to mix the track. 
because he'd have to put his vocal up so high that to hear him that it was hard with with everything else. But it's yeah. Well, what I like about it is it shows that the band can still hit like emotional depths and slow down. Yes. Like they don't have to like blow the speaker out. To, you know, if you compare this track to Smells Like Teen Spirit long, long ago on first song on side A, like they're totally different, really. Well, this still, was, still... From what I understand, this song was written like a week before they went into the studio. Yeah. This is, this yeah. Is the one that has the cello in it, correct? Yes. This is yeah. uh, the cello. Kirk Canning is yeah, the so cello. They, and that's like, from what I understand, he was like a friend of theirs. Yes. Hey, we, friend don't, of we, theirs don't, yep. we don't have a song with cello in it, Get which makes show. you think which somewhere in, in when they're doing the grunge when the grudge council meets, they went, Hey, you put a fucking cello in a grunge song. What the hell's wrong? You know, it's so good. The point. So it is really good, but I mean, it's, 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 it's what's the last song they wrote before they went into the studio. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with what you're saying. Why it's a different, why it's so, it's so different. Yeah. I mean, and they saw Kurt canning the cellist at a party and Cobain's like, you play cello, right? He's like, yeah. They're like, could come, you play this? And he's like, come on sure. In and play. Yeah, said, <laughs> yeah. Come on in and he play. What do you he didn't even have like sheet music or nothing. They're just like, go fine. for it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just, just it's gonna be fine. Play. And when you're done, work. you know, we got shit in the green room. Don't worry, we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Don't worry about it. But he, uh, and the other thing is, the song is apparently about when Cobain was kicked out of the house. He's homeless, like living under a bridge, living with friends. That's what they're saying. This. That's what people say he's referencing. He's disputed that. And said, well, no, it wasn't about that. But that's sort of like what uh, has come out about this song. But I just love this song. I love it. I, I love your comparison to Smells Like Teen Spirit because it still has so much emotional impact. It's still grunge at its core. And yet, as you say, it's the complete opposite tonally from the lead track. Yeah. You know, the energy yet is still there. Um, you know, it, it certainly moves into that. Uh, and especially after watching the Batman, what a great fit for that movie. Oh, um, cause it's just so dark and it's so melodic and it's just so, you know, like, like you go back to the Tori Amos track, like this, yes. is Tor- this is a Tori Amos track. This like, is a Tori Amos track. Yeah. Um, but good it's point. so good. The vocals are so good. My, What'd you my, think, Coop? Yeah. my comment was, this was a total Dave song. It is. It really was because um, because you like those softer but darker songs. Um, Yeah. And when I get it, get it, make it dark. Yeah, it's a softer landing for the album in a lot of ways. But again, it's it's an album. It's it's a good. If you want to say this is the closing track. Um, but yeah, I immediately you know when I was listening to it, I'm like, this is Dave. And when I went (laughs) and popped my notes, and sure enough, I'm like, yep, this is a total Dave song. So. It is. If grunge, it, is yeah. if grunge is a car, this is a the vinyl seat option. They, they, yeah, had, yeah, they yeah. added a little yeah. they put floor mats in the grunge car, you know? Yeah. Hey, that's nice. That's nice. Exactly. That's nice but I think yeah, but I think if this was a vinyl and it was the good thing about it, if there was a side B like an ender, like as a listener, you're like, Oh, I want to listen to side A again and right. like compare it to that yeah. first song. Like you'd flip it over. Right. Yeah, but again, if you consider this a closing track and it's dark, it's haunting, it kind of leave you i don't know how it just leaves you in a weird place at the end of this album you it, know? it does it's yeah. so good yeah empty mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's this album and that's what it said never mind so it's just been called emotionally empty right emotionally the name right. of the album yeah but we have a hidden track 
which um, when you pop this in in the CD, when you're first listening to it, you're like, how in the fuck is this song 20 minutes long? <laughs> and it's because you got all that dead air and then you get to Endless Nameless. Yeah, which is probably the most famous hidden track next to what Beatles song nine or whatever that track was. I think it was song nine. Um, Things you could do that were actually innovative on the CD line of things versus you couldn't do on the LP line of things. Yeah, see, so, so he so this was actually they were recording Lithium, Hector's favorite song on the on the record. <laughs> and like they just couldn't get it like it wasn't working. It wasn't. And so what happened was everybody just lost their mind it's in a, in a blind rage. <laughs> And it was recorded um, and they kept it. You could actually hear halfway through it, Cobain like break his guitar because he was like smashing it in the studio. <laughs> Not the $20. No, no this is a, the, he, fen- he kept, the Fender, whatever the he had. Yeah, he kept this one. The one he was leasing, I'm sure. <laughs> right. So he like smashes it and like you can hear it in the song. So what happened was they gave it to this guy to engineer. They're like, here, engineer it. Here's the here's the record. And he thought it was just an outtake. So in the first 20,000 copies, he didn't put it on there. The guy engineering it. And uh, Cobain called him up and he's like, what are you doing leaving that song off? It just lost his mind. And so they put it in uh, at the end as the hidden track. So there were some people, there are people that bought it originally and then bought it again. I mean, yeah, I worked so hard on these lyrics. Here I am. That's right. Oh, no mas, no mas. mas. (laughs) It's like the Roberto Durano, you know, uh, know, I I don't know. So, yeah, so he wanted it back. So there's there's 20,000 or so copies out there with the song isn't on it. Because they took it off. Um, But and now you can get it as a as a single. They put it on it. They put it as a as a single when they re-released the 30 year anniversary, like it's its own single. Death is what I am. Death. Go to hell. Go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no God is gay, but it's all right. Yeah. Take a chance. Dead. Die. I mean, it's like. And yeah, they were not happy at lithium. Nice. I wonder why. Nice, yeah. nice, nice work on that. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, yeah. was really, I was really feeling those lyrics. Yep. Yeah. Have a listen to Kurt uh, break his guitar. Spoiled ass, baby. Oh, rock and roll, man. Rock and roll, baby. Oh, so what did what did so final thoughts on the on the album? I'm emotionally fatigued just talking about it. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. If I don't hear it, if I don't hear it again for another year, I'll be all right. Listen, oh, I I'm heard, listen I to heard, it again I heard, today. I heard, heard smells like tea spirit on music. No. So I, really? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. What the fuck is that? I mean, I know that. I heard that before. Did did they do Dave? Did they do a version of this on Westworld? Because I feel like this. They did. They did Heart Shaped Box. Heart Shaped Box. Okay. Because okay. like talk about smells like Teen Spirit would have fit perfectly in, in sort of the re uh, imaging of of uh, reengineering of a lot of the songs they did. Yes. On, which I yes. really enjoyed, and, and I feel like there's more than a few tracks from Nevermind that would have fit in very well. With the, with the sort of darker themes of Westworld. Yeah. I mean, it's still a timeless record. I mean, since the Batman movie came out, that song is like just gone skyrocketed. Of course it has. 
So it's still like there's still audience for this record still. You know, I put in here that like, you know, I wonder if you could go back in time and listen to artists when they hit like big artists like Elvis and the Beatles and stuff. And you kind of listen to their stuff that first really punched the market. Um, You know, thinking back to 91, like like there there just wasn't. I cannot think of another album through the entire nineties that had this kind of impact out of the gate. There were some great albums, yeah, but nothing that changed the audio sphere or the audio landscape like this particular album did. Um, you know, could it have yeah. been better? Yes. Could they have designed the track layout better? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but on a whole, uh, one hell of an album. Mm. We know that they're not the first grunge band. I mean, right. you know, but they yeah. they did take the baton and said, okay, this is where we're going to go with this. Mm. We're going to take it here. And, you know, and then uh, they kind of, they were in the captaincy for three years. Mm. Mm. Uh, there have been bands that, that have outlasted them, obviously, but they, you know, they said, okay, well, this is, this is grunge. Okay. Hold my beer. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is, this is where we're going to take grunge now. And you know, and, and I think all all those bands owe a debt of gratitude. I think to 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 them, to Nirvana, not only for, forget about the music, just the acceptance and the popularity and and being seen through you know on MTV and you know and and and, and they created a genre. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a genre already that existed, yeah. but sometimes you have a band that says, "Are we going to cement this? We're going to." We're going to submit yep. this genre that, you know, is grunge still a thing? I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know if grunge is still a thing, but, you know, the, for 20 years it was. Yeah. Is that about right? 20 years? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that pixie structure, I think, is still a thing. Like that they really popularized. I mean, the pixies did it, obviously, but them popularizing it, like you can still hear songs that are structured that way. Like it's a structure that sort of has lasted. I dig the Pixies. I like Frank Boyd, oh. but I dig, I dig the Pixies. Pixies. Oh, so good. What did you yeah. think, Coop? Final thoughts, my friend. Um, I, I think I mentioned her. I don't think lyrically this album gets its due. Uh, that should. It's a very good lyrical album. Uh, while I may not love all the instrumentation on this album from a grunge sound, somebody, I really appreciate what it, what it does. I think this album was a bit ahead of its time um, when it came out. And it wasn't, I want to say it was, not appreciated, but I don't think people realize how groundbreaking it was. Because I think when we talked about the 1991 show we did, there was this fragmentation going on in music. Top 40 had pretty much come to an end, and there were all these other like genres that were kind of competing for space. And grunge became one of those that really emerged. So I don't think people in 1991 really knew with this album how groundbreaking it was going to be. I think it was most certainly after Cobain passed away how this album got looked upon and, and with time it's just you know it's become this iconic album in the mu- in the history of music so um though you know those are my i think also i look at this none of these songs probably would have won a battle of the band singles contest but the sum of the parts is greater you know the, the album is greater than the sum of the parts here i think well I, I think also when you say that you have to consider that once cobain died that was it you were that not gonna, a, yeah. you're not going to get any more Nirvana. You know, no. it's not like it's not like Tupac, who's been dead now for 20 years, 
and you know every once in a while he comes out of the right. song i mean you know, right. somebody, somebody sampling you know you know isn't he dead no no no, no. yeah this is new this is yeah. new, new jam here what are you talking about you know once yeah. you're about to die that was it yeah i mean weren't dave Grohl took food yeah weren't, weren't there a, wasn't there like a bootleg or something like that or some lost songs that were yep. put on an album there was incesticide which was sort of like that was sort of a bunch of b-sides and stuff that right. wasn't released and yeah b-sides and rarities right yeah. 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 yeah yeah which typically happens when a band breaks up or someone dies or something you right. the record company will try to get one more album out of it not enough material after three years that's Think the thing it. yeah that's a great point uh surgeon like you look at prince and he's just got thousands of tracks oceans of, oceans yeah. of tracks they didn't have a lot like hanging around like yeah. it was yeah, yeah. Well, Tears for Fears had a pretty big rarities album after they broke up after that third album, but they had 10 years that they were recording. So there was a lot of stuff, you know, that this was probably put on the shelf that they were able to pull it. You know, it was a 10 year window. This is a much smaller window. We're talking three to four years here. I mean, it's yeah. 1989 to 1993. I mean, so yeah. not not as much. Yeah. Dave. Oh, New music. Let's pick the let's pick the vibe up, people. Yep. Yeah, I want to get Hector to his <laughs> game too. Uh, but uh, so I'll just go quick. Uh, no, no, the music. No okay, I, I'm watching it while we're playing. While we're okay, okay, good. I didn't want to. I don't want to be sensitive to personal time too. It's uh, no, it's fine. Okay, I have mine on too. So, um, always sponsored. <laughs> what, by... may, what makes you think I didn't have mine on? If you had yours, <laughs> I didn't know if you had the setup to do it. Come I forget on, if you. Kid. Had... I'm okay. in. The... Oh, man. I'm in. I'm in the. <laughs> this is the. Hand of the King's Cheeky Hood. I've got yeah. my TV right in front of me. So it looks like I'm paying yeah. attention, yeah. but I'm not. No, I have <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, New Music it. 45 brought to you by uh, Cigar Hustler, uh, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, great retail store uh, to go into. Uh, great humidor selection. Great lounge. Great service. Uh, if you can't get there, um, go to uh, CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list. Um, and get the uh, they'll they'll email you the um, the releases they're getting in the limited stuff and you can go and um, you know my advice is when that email comes in go and buy it actually the new Crown Heads release just got I got emailed today on that all uh, right I, yep so um, you know definitely you know get on that email list uh, check out the A Cigar Hustlers podcast as well and uh we actually just put up you know they have their own brand too postani and some of the other yeah. brands we just put up the pca interview yesterday from them on cigar coupe or friday if you're listening to this so check that interview out um mike didn't have anything new for the show but he talked a lot about the show and how uh you know how he wanted to support it so get to check that out uh why am i not surprised what dave has on on his side a yeah well before i get to that so <laughs> For those out there, the Mets are playing the Phillies, so either Cooper, Hector, maybe listening to Nevermind again at the uh, end of that, depending on how the game goes. Yeah, we we, so, we <laughs> need to do in this series. We we won one game. I mean, we great to it too, but we're not going to lose three games to the Mets, so that's key. So if you see if you see Hector or Coop uh, live tweeting that they're listening to Lithium, just check in with them. Just you yeah, know, send a text. Right. How's it hey, going? Man, okay? Right, right. Everything okay? <laughs> Send me a lifeline, Johnny. Send me a lifeline. Yeah. Do, do I uh, do I need to do a Popeye? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so side A, Beyonce came out with her record. Uh, Renaissance. I put Pure Honey as the side A. I love the record. I love the track. You like the record, Coop. There's a lot of like disco influence on there. I liked it. I liked a it, lot yeah. of house. I did like it. Yeah. 
when this I came out. When you, were you on the plane when this came out? Actually, <laughs> you were traveling. I think this song. Came oh, out I right. don't know. It, I bought it like instantly. Yeah, I figured that. Well, yeah. you've been waiting. You've been waiting on this one for a while, so I know that's, that. That's who I am, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. Side B. This goes out to the ca- conscious Canadian, because we don't do enough metal on this show. It's kind of a blind spot with new music, but we got a band called Health which has nine inch nails on the record. If you like nine inch nails, which I do. How could you not? This track, you got to listen to this track, uh, Surgeon. It's off a record called Disco 4 Part 2, which is like, you're pretty bold if in the title of your record you put two numbers. Right. <laughs> so, okay. so it's just great. It get, it like It's just back to that sort of like pretty hate machine, nine inch nails type sound. And nine is on it. So I think you'd really like it. So check it out. Uh, if you're a metal person, music to sleep with your ex-girlfriend, too. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And we got album archaeology homework for yourself. Probably if you put this album on, it probably would have gotten second to Nevermind for the 90s. It's Nirvana's MTV Unplugged, which was a huge record. Dolly. Uh, yeah. And they cover a Lead Belly song, Where'd You Sleep Last Night, which Dolly Parton has also covered. So that's something that Nirvana and Dolly Parton have in common. It's covering that track. I was wondering uh, when we were going to get to that, and then I so saw it. Dave, I'm surprised there's no mention, and maybe you're not watching it. Are you watching the Orville series at all? No. Okay, so <clears throat> spoiler alert, they managed to fit Dolly Parton into an, an episode of the Orville, and I was Ooh. like, I really hope Dave's watching this, because this is fucking fantastic. I got to um, find this. So, yeah, <clears throat> even if you're not watching the Orville, I feel like you'll get a good kick out of it. It's uh, it's a great Dolly Parton moment. She, she gets a fair amount of screen time, and it's pretty entertaining. Really? I got to yeah. check this out. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's uh, that's all I got. But if you're a Nirvana fan, that album was massive. Uh, probably with the biggest MTV Unplugged record. So has be sure to, to be, be sure to check that out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. I think we're at the end of the show. Anything else, guys, uh, before we close out? There are helplines out there. If you or uh, any of your friends named (laughs) Kurt are uh, struggling, uh, there are helplines, 1-800-LINES. Please reach out to a friend or professional. Uh, You know, don't try to go through this stuff alone. Uh, Definitely don't put on Nevermind. Right. Uh, No. 1-800-SEEK-HELP. I mean, that's right. It's out there. Listen, I'd like to close by saying uh, at the beginning, we talked about you guys possibly doing a show on um, coaching trees or like bands that I only Ooh. have, I can only give you one band that I think you should consider. Think put that all, down. Think of right. Look at all the people that have been in. Yes. Yeah. All the people that have been in. Yes. <laughs> you know, from the original members to the Trevor Horn and Trevor Raven, Steve Hackett, you know that, that, and then you start looking at the tree of all all the bands that these guys have been in. That is a that, that the, the members of that band were very influential. Yeah, during their time. I mean, they I they really think, were. Yeah, not That's now. A good one. I would say, I would say not now because obviously it's you know we're we're what thirty years from their their last you know level big generator. But uh, I really I don't rarely watch the Hall of Fame ceremonies, but watched it to watch Yes play. Oh. It, looked, it looked like uh, it looked like a WWE tag team as they're playing guys <laughs> coming in. I can't think of the name for the life of me. I cannot think of the name of the keyboardist who wears the big coat. But but I mean, you yeah. know, these, these guys, you know, 
what a what an influential band you know what a band that had so many guys in it that did other things and you know with other bands you know steve hackett and gt hall in asia you know, genesis genesis you know yep. you, had, you had guys all over the place you know yeah so you know just a little 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 idea for you when you start doing those those bands you know Ooh, i, I wrote it down it's on there i'm thinking steve hackett i'm sorry you said steve i was saying steve hackett yeah no, steve hackett steve hackett yeah i can't think of the keyboardist now i can see him he's enormous he's a big son of a guy <laughs> and he's wearing like a like he's just be on Game of Thrones. Like he's working the, like he's working the wall up there in the north. The guy who died is it the guy. The guy who died. Oh, the guy who died was Chris Squire. Okay, Chris I was Squire Alan White today. He was a drummer though. Alan White, nope, uh, nope. the keyboardist. Think of the name. Think of the damn keyboardist. His name. Tony K. No, this guy's a big son of a gun. Big name. No, it's not Tony K. And you're looking at you're looking now online. You're looking at the. Uh, I'm looking online at the whole all the members who are in yes. I'm just trying to think who's big. Just big physically. He's a big guy. I, I, fuck, I, I'm going to have to go back and look at the... Uh, I could have sworn he's a keyboardist. Tony so, K? No, it wasn't. Tony was a smaller guy. I'll look. I'll look. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to burn your time on this. Oh, uh, Jeff Downs. No, no, no. no? Man. Okay. It's a good way to waste time. Yeah. Ah! This is a good way to waste time, I know. Nice. Bluford was a drummer. Rick Wakeman. Rick Wakeman. That's who it there is. There we go. Yes, Rick I know exactly. Now, now I just sort of name it. Rick Wakeman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rick Wakeman. Yep. All right. I'm good. I've got nothing else. Ah, well, good luck to the Mets, man, and the Phillies. Maybe yep. it'll be like uh, extra <laughs> innings forever. Oh, we went last night. What are you, we... what are you doing? Heart, the heart can't was... take it. The heart can't take it, Dave. No extra innings. Let's get this game in the books in three hours, okay? Yeah, and uh, John, go go to the Jets. They're gonna need it. I'm I'm sorry. There's no amount of there's no amount of uh, bearing footballs or uh, magic juju or that is gonna change the fate of that team. They are forever cursed. Uh, you know, I think I think they sold their soul to get that Super Bowl. Listen, I recommend you rewatch yesterday's game while you're listening to Nevermind. There you <laughs> go. Uh, no, absolutely. Because the lithium, right when right when the play happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just loop it. I don't yeah. know what yeah. the worst thing is that your quarterback's out for four weeks or that your quarterback will be back in four weeks. I don't know what's worse. Oh, uh, Hector. I, I, I think the fact that we can't keep uh, off tackle ha- ha- healthy. That guy will never gone. play for you guys. He's just too No, big. he's done. He's oh, done. All right. He's, yeah. he's, his whole year is shot. Even he comes, now he comes back now. Yeah. Those guys, they're, pounds, he's man. 380 pounds or something. Right. Like just, yeah. Bodies can't the, handle that. Bodies nope. can't move, handle yeah. that kind nope. of weight, bro. Nope. They just can't handle that kind of weight. So 2023, it's a rebuilding year again. <laughs> new coach, know, new coach. Yeah, it'll be a new quarterback. Coach. What did I say at the? Uh, I mean, we're getting a football talk. What I say, Coop? I said uh, 2022. He's got to produce. If he doesn't produce, you know, when you're hurting your sophomore yeah. it's the sometimes the worst thing to happen to you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when what's his face for the Bengals got hurt, um, Burrow. It was still his first year. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and yep. he had shown progress at least in his first year, and you know I think he was able to come back good the second. But when you're when you have a bad first year and you're expected to improve in that second year, it's tough. Well, they got him yeah. some weapons. The problem is, you know, you know what somebody told me yesterday in the chat that I'm in with my son. I said, well, we've learned that Wilson can't slide. And heck, right? Says, he yeah. Says, uh, what he says, he goes, 
bitches don't want to see a man slide. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to see the quarterback slide. It's you not know, sexy. It's like the, chicks, chicks like the big chick like the like chicks big. like the, the long ball. You know what I'm saying? I'll you, tell you, man, it is not the first time a Jets quarterback has been injured from a lack of slide. Um, it's it's getting a little concerning to see coach uh, coach quarterback preparation. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, if they don't, uh, if they pull in a six and 11, I'll tell you what, they're going to be calling for his blood. Start looking, yeah. start looking at next year's draft picks. Yeah, start looking at new coaches. <laughs> All right, my All right gentlemen. All right, guys. Oh, thanks, uh, everybody. That was great. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. You. Before we close out, just uh, stay tuned to uh, our social media for what, when, and what the next show will be. But we'll have one soon. Um, that's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 76 into the annals of history. For this August 15th, 12 year anniversary of Cigar Coop. Thank you, John Hector, as well, for being a part of this. We appreciate it. Yeah. Can't wait to do another show together. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.